November 17, 1996. Space Jam topped the box office. Its soundtrack, Introducing a Nation of Children to R. Kelly, is now known as Exhibit C. Indie pop mainstays, Bell and Sebastian, released their classic, If You're Feeling Sinister. It was instantly beloved by the eight people that bought it. In Ethiopia, scientists found the remains of the two and a half million year old Australopithecus Garhi. And at Madison Square Garden, Jimmy Snuka and Jake Roberts fought at Survivor Series. That son of a bitch got this coming. This is Hell in a Cell Phone. This is like one of the only safe spaces where I can drag Space Jam. For some reason, like everybody's got a big boner for that movie, and that Not movie anymore. is trash. That movie is trash. Not anymore. I never watched it actually. Well, see, I figured this was a safe space because Eric's too old, and it's a little too close to sports for Bobby. True. Why, why does it have to come back to me being old? <laughs> well, well, it just it what? it hits that like that space where you're too old to watch a kid's movie. But you're too young to like enjoy the other parts of that it. That was the original Britney Spears song. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I mean, I think also I like growing up. I had a lot of reverence for Looney Tunes, mm. and I really hated what they started doing with Bugs Bunny. Like later on, where they made him a little cutesy and like less like wry. And I think they may have also not had like. Uh, Mel Blank doing the voice anymore. I don't know. Now, they, I'm pretty sure he had died by that point. Yeah, so. they started bringing in like, oh, and this is like Bugs's like girlfriend, and this is his like child or whatever. Bill Murray's pretty funny in that, but that's like the only saving grace of that whole movie. I feel like it needs to. We need to get the LeBron James one. Get Jason Siegel in there to do the Muppets treatment on it. Hey guys, welcome to another episode <laughs> of Hell in a Cell Phone. What's, what is an Australopithecus? By the way, I got that on the first take. Wow, wow. <laughs> Shots fired. Uh, Australopithecus is the the one before the homo. Um, come, not you, Bobby. Excuse me? <laughs> hey, that's our word. Yeah, that's, that's Aaron who comes in first. And then the Australopithecus. <laughs> um, so that was, that was one of like the missing links that they found. Oh, well, it, then it's, I mean, why do we still have a missing link then as an idea? I think that there's a whole bunch of missing links oh, there, which God. is why it's, it's the theory of evolution that people tend to latch on to. So it's not really the missing link. It's more like <laughs> a missing link. another missing link. Yeah. <laughs> I also have nothing to back this up at all. It's just my, my gut feeling, but it's 2019 and that's what we do. And the Australopithecus's name was, was Garvey or... No, that was so. There was the uh, they found the Australopithecus already, yeah. and then this was like a subset of the Australopithecus, which formed the link between that and the. Hey guys, welcome to another episode <laughs> of Hell in a Cell Phone, the podcast where we attempt to make sense of the Attitude Era of WWE twenty years later with uh, amateur archaeology, <laughs> a, little, a little bit thrown in. Uh, to my right, I got Bobby Hankinson. Hey, Bobby. Hello, hello, hello. I'm so excited for this episode in particular to discuss. And why are you so excited about this one, Bobby? I, I am so excited because this is the first WW Then F event that I attended in my entire life was this pay-per-view uh, with my dad at Madison Square Garden in 1996. That's good. I Because you have some childhood events then to bring up here because I'm trying to remember November of 1996 for me and I think... Had my first kiss then, but that's I'm not even sure about that. Wow, wow, where was where, where and with whom? 
Uh, it was with, um, can I say her name on the air? <laughs> you, why don't you just give she, her a She's like probably a, a big wrestling head. Yeah. Uh, also, huge mark. V into podcast. Yeah. Like, very early adopter. <laughs> her name was Elizabeth Lavelle, and it was in B Hall of the high school after school, and nobody else was around. Wow. Oh, she only would do it when no one else was around? Well, um, the next day she told me that she had no interest in dating me and that uh, that it basically meant nothing. So, were you? Did you know her through some sort of theater program or show choir? I'm picturing she and I would later be in the drama club together. But my freshman year of high school, I did nothing as far as extracurricular activities. Uh, I was still in that like "Ah, I don't know kind of phase of my life. So wait, what was the lead up to the kiss? We, she was actually the first friend that I made in high school. And um, I remember I stayed after school to make up some work and I ran into her in the hallway and we just kind of like exchanged one of those glances that was like, oh, okay, this is on for right now. And we made up for like, made out for like two minutes in the hallway. That is not a thing as far as I know. Were you cruising in high school? Like, yeah, what was, I, I don't know about, like, we just had one of those, like, Did one this of you guys have like, a, have, like, a hanky in your back pocket? Like, how does that work? And again, I'm not even sure if this is the right timeline. I feel like it would have been warmer out than it was in a, but also. It was certainly warmer inside. <laughs> uh, to my left, I've got Eric Silver. Hey, Eric, how you doing? I'm, I'm okay. I'm in recovery right now. <laughs> Alcohol abuse. <laughs> Sorry, Jake? Jake the Snake? Is that you? <laughs> Uh, I had my wisdom teeth out uh, two days ago, and boy, are my gums still bleeding. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> uh, what, as, um, I won't say your age, I've, I've dragged you up, as, as the age that you are, I'm why like did you- a why year did, older than you. <laughs> <laughs> why did you not get your wisdom teeth taken out when you were in, like, high school or college? Just so you know, last night, Eric, we were sitting around, and Aaron posited, he's like, well, surely it's not his wisdom teeth, because he's far too old to do that now. <laughs> like, was literally just introduced in conversation. What teeth did you think I was having extracted? Table. Like, I, I have pretty good oral hygiene, so. Well, that's, I, I also did that. that. I, I said that. that. He flosses every that. day. He yeah. literally spoke your flossing the habits. The straightest teeth for no braces. Never had braces. <laughs> Me yeah. either. Yeah, well, I have straighter teeth. <laughs> Actually, you have pretty straight teeth. This is a very cool contest. Um, <laughs> no, so uh, I first of all, I like how you like Logan's run that. Like, how did you make it to this age? <laughs> all of your wisdom teeth. Who have you been avoiding? Um, I, I I had two of my my uh, two left side teeth out. Uh, I feel like I'm talking to my dentist now. Uh, I, I had my two left side teeth out when I was in I think college. And the other two actually came in perfectly fine. Like, as the dentist that I went to uh, put it, your mouth made enough room for those teeth. <laughs> so it could, it could perfectly accommodate the extra set of teeth. The problem was I got a cavity in, like, my wisdom tooth. And I had it from a while back, and it got filled in. And I guess I lost the filling. And the dentist was like, well, rather than drill some more, what if we just took them out? And I was like, I, I guess. is that That seems weird, but okay. Like, it felt like... I mean... Uh, First of all, I think that oral surgery is a super weird thing where, like, part of your job is you take a set of pliers and just yank on someone's teeth. <laughs> yeah, and they're fully, like, fully aware of what's happening. Yeah, like, if you can have With essentially... With tools from Home Depot. Yeah, like, if you can have, like, a like a, a janitor or, like, a plumber come in and do basically the same thing, it doesn't feel like surgery to me. Were you yeah. awake the whole time, too? Yeah, and he was, like, using elbow grease. Oh. Like... 
I, I mean, obviously, he he, he put uh, he used the anesthetic, but also he was not a not a light hand with the with yeah. the anesthetic. It kind of hurt. Yeah. Um. When I got my wisdom teeth out, I insisted on being knocked out. And I when, wish I did that. And when I came to, I, I looked at my mom and I said, "It's all right, mom. I think the Raiders are going to pull this one out." <laughs> wow. Wow. I got my wisdom teeth out, and it was great because I was like unconscious for like four days, like pretty much like them was on painkillers. Yeah. Afterwards, I was awake when they did it, and then I remember I watched the entire first season of The OC on a bootleg DVD I bought off eBay on a portable DVD player that I had put on my chest, and then I spent like literally like a full weekend, very early binge watching um, the whole first season of The OC while I was like hopped up on goofballs. <laughs> See, everybody else has a, such a better story where they're like, I got put out, I like I came to and I said some weird shit. Or like I was on painkillers. They had me on like strong ibuprofen. Oh, like it's hosed. It must be something in my file. (laughs) And you didn't even get like a day off from school. All you did was like leave work a little early, right? I left work like. Oh, I hope work doesn't listen. But I left (laughs) big marks there. I left work about maybe a half hour early. I like I went for like on a Friday. I went for yeah on a Friday. I went for like a late lunch. To get my teeth out, yeah, and came back with like my mouth full of gauze. That's gross. And and my lips like not. I didn't have any feeling in my lips, and I just went back and sat at my computer and just, and just quietly kind of, drooled on yourself. <laughs> just, <laughs> just like was like, oh, I hope I don't keep bleeding. And I was literally just taking a bloody, <laughs> bloody gauze and throwing it in the garbage by my by my desk. <laughs> And replacing it. And then I was like, you know, I, I think it's time to go home now. And then I went home and, and I've been eating soup and oatmeal. It's and a good weekend for polenta. that kind of food, though, because yeah. it's like cold and gross out. Uh, well, guys, thanks for joining us for another episode of Hell to Cell Phone. This has been great. <laughs> Uh, should we get to it? Yeah, let's talk about this pay-per-view. Let's get to the uh, the obligatory New York montage at the start of anything said there. This truly, I mean, we've seen some bad ones, but this is the laziest one I could it possibly really didn't imagine. Pull out From every New Yorker has consumed an extra cup of caffeine. We're all New Yorkers here. Yes. Every morning we wake up, we go to go to the cupboard, we pull out our packet of caffeine, yes, we, we are... scoop it into a cup, and yeah. we all just absorb it. Yeah, well, we a, a bell goes off when I've had enough coffee. <laughs> Yeah. And I look at him like, oh god! And then when this ha- was happening, probably everyone's bell went off, and they were like, you know what? It's Survivor Series tonight. <laughs> we need an extra. Yeah, cup we of can ma- make that a double. <laughs> Times Square of 1996 looks so adorable. Yeah. Um. To be very, very honest about Times Square, like back in those times, I know that there were more. You know, there were more like like smut theaters. Is that what you call them? Yes. The smut, smut theaters. theaters. But like, the ones at this point, though, I feel they were also on the decline. Yeah, I guess Giuliani was point. was yeah, there. Yeah. But like we're it was... mid to late '90s at this yeah. point, and it's it's. I feel like at this point it's cleaned up, but it hasn't yet been cleaned up enough to attract the tourists in mass yet, because the tourists all still believe that it's still a smut, yeah, the, smut yeah. capital and... of the world. So it's sort of like that nice moment where it's like, hey, it's nice, but no one is here to enjoy it yet. There also <laughs> wasn't anybody dressed up as like racist Elmo or right. even like non-racist Elmo. Like there was just it was I think just a thoroughfare and kind of nice. I mean, you know, a lot of shit going on, but like yeah. not. Not the hellhole that it is at this moment. Correct. Or the hellhole that it was before that moment. Yeah. Right. Nice nice respite for that moment. We learn here that also the Hall of Fame ceremony was the night, was recent, also in New York, the night night before, I think. Yeah. Uh, And that, I looked up the class of 96, which was Jimmy Snuka, who we'll talk much more about later. Killer Kowalski, who trained, who has trained so many, so many wrestlers. Oh, that was, so I thought that was George Steele in uh, the intro video that they were doing. No, Killer Kowalski. Did I miss the intro video? It was very, very quick shots of of the Hall of Fame ceremony. 
that you will have to like clock. I had to look it up who it was for that. For okay, this. yeah, because I don't know what was happening. They really didn't do you a lot of favors. But Killer Kowalski, who trained a bunch of wrestlers, including China, was the she was the first uh, female he ever trained, and I believe the last. Uh, Pat Patterson, gay, uh, but also the first intercont- intercontinental champion. Captain Lou Albano, who we'll see later. For no reason. Who they call Louis um, Alvano. <laughs> he's a Hall of Famer now. It's oh, I see. Formal. It's like Sir Patrick Stewart. <laughs> exactly. He's uh, He's been OBE now. Uh, and then also, interestingly enough, inducted the Hall of Fame in 1996, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. <laughs> he huh. just put himself... <laughs> in his own Hall of Fame? In the Hall of Fame. Inducted by Shane into the Hall of Fame. Sure. As a, I guess an announcer? Like, I don't... I was like, what are we doing here? Wait, so Shane was visible at this point? No. Okay. It was just sort of like the same way that, you know, lots of people's kids induct them now. I see. um, Especially when they're super dead. Uh, But yeah, I was like, interesting. Well, I'm glad glad he made it into his own Hall of Fame. That would have been an oversight if he, you know... He just was never, never honored. Not on, not on any ballots. And the word went out over radio waves, television, and print—the three mediums of communication that they made sure to bring up at the beginning of this program. I missed all of this. I honestly, I was thinking oh, when I was, I thought I was wrong about this, and I am wrong about it. It's Vincent J. McMahon, oh. not K. McMahon. I was not like, Kennedy. Wait a I was like, now that I'm saying it out loud, this makes very little sense. It was his father. That makes much more it makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Who was he? Was inducted by a Shane McMahon. Um, but it's funny because, like, watching this, I think I got about halfway through when I was watching, and I was like, "This is a very unremarkable like opening." Like when you say lazy, I agree. But like, usually we have a lot of fun. We we have a lot of fun here, <laughs> but we have a, you know we usually have a lot of fun with like the openings and with like all with the packages they put yeah. together. And I was just like, "There's not a lot going on. There wasn't even a lot for us for like me to work with." I felt. Like. I I agree. So in general, we'll talk more about this. As we go on, but this is widely regarded as one of the most important WWEF pay-per-views of all time. I can sort of see why. Of I, all time. The best I, of the year for 96. Fake Diesel, fake of, Razor. One of the best Survivor Series of all time and the and one of the most influential and important nights in wrestling history. I can agree with the word important, but by no means was this a good program i think oh, man we're, were... Really, we're gonna have to really hack it okay this. well was we'll it, go into I, it I, and i just want like right on the top survivor series out of the big four is by far my least favorite out of all of them can you explain I, yeah. what survivor series actually means because i i understood the matches but i didn't understood what understand what the matches meant yes so that's that's the thing it tends to be like these cobbled together with very little forethought just like throwing a bunch of guys and you got a face team you got a heel team and they're gonna fight it out with very little build-up and very little story that's told based off of it and very few consequences because what happens to any of the winners like do they fight each other? Do they go and is it, it? Do they get to a point where it's one man standing out of out of the whatever three matches that were left? No, it's just. Well, that's why it would. That's why like today we have the brand split and it's all around SmackDown versus Raw for brand supremacy. Like it's and, how they design it now. But back then there wasn't, and it, it just was the joy of seeing all these single stars like all together. So you'd be hyped to see like. Uh, mm. In theory, would you be? I mean, yes, I I, I personally was. Okay, <laughs> but you would see, you're like, oh my god, it's gonna be, uh, you know, these face guys that you cheer, single stars, Savio Vega, Mark Marrow, whatever, all of mid, the mid card guys getting a chance to like all team up and have these big matches. They also, I felt like they also used it as an opportunity to introduce all yes, like, this, this specific per- new faces, and this particularly this pay per view, each one of the Survivor Series matches had a uh, first ever debut. 
Right. Um, so each one had a different one. We could talk Although, about it. Although with, with limited success. Some more successful than others. Yeah, exactly. In the, in, the, in the grand scheme of things. Um, one, so uh, one thing in their opening package I did note later on was uh, I really, I think I'd really like to see whatever clip of Regis and Kathy Lee where Heartbreak Kid is on. <laughs> oh, yes. I, what was he up to? There? I remember watching it. I don't remember the details, but like when they flashed and I was like, I can like see myself like taping that on a VCR because like, I was at school and being like, Shawn Michaels is going to be on Regis and Kathy Lee. I have to tape it so I can watch it later. So I'm sure I did that. He but I mean, you real- just taped that every day, didn't you? Oh, sure. You know, I have my usual head of Regis being like, what am I doing? You know, that was <laughs> he, as a child. He had his stories. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're Regis. Um, he looked he looked really animated for that for that five seconds that I saw. And he looked like he was, I think, wearing a tan suit, maybe? Oh, yeah. Shawn Michaels loved like an olive taupe color palette, oh, I feel like. And then it, but so He's did everyone such a in the 90s. Yeah. He's a summer, and it makes no sense to me. Uh, and also, it's important to note, this is sponsored by Milton Bradley Karate Fighters, which is a toy I had to look up. So I was like, what were those? It sounds familiar. And I looked it up, and I was like, oh, hell yeah. They were like Rock'em Sock'em robots, but so much cooler. I... Did, they, did they have, dude, like high kicks? Yeah. Oh. You know, they just had like no, very they just limbs. Their, their limbs would just flail around yeah. uncontrollably, basically. And it was... In, it That's was... me in a fight. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I actually, I watched uh, a couple of the Raws leading up to this, and they were doing a Karate Fighters tournament on the Raw. I remember so, this. So like Marlena against Psycho Sid in Wait, a Karate playing, Fighter playing on the actual Yeah, game? playing with playing with the thing. So it was basically it was it I was an action this. figure on a pedestal basically and uh like a thing that you could turn yeah. that was close to you and basically you just had to knock the other one off of their pedestal. Rock'em sock'em. Yeah. yeah. Or like uh or did they used to have like the what is it the um the fighting nuns the, thing? The wrestlemen like or they or they did they did like it the sort spring. of with um with like WWE where you put them in a in a ring on a thing. Right. No, there's a lot of hand gestures yeah. going on that none of you can see. Yeah, like you, you, you clip them in, and then like you can control them in yeah. the ring. And yeah, like yeah, push yeah, them yeah, yeah. You like that? Yeah, a little bit like that. And I remember that tournament. I you mentioned, oh my god, that's crazy. Well, that was that answered my first question. Did anyone play with karate fighters? I guess <laughs> I didn't. I desperately wanted them. Did I you never have... had them? No, I didn't have them. Uh, yeah, you was... were probably too old. <laughs> yeah, it, I was. I was getting into that range there. Where? Yeah, I think around this time, I think I maybe got drunk for the first time i was in sixth grade (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and watching this whole pay-per-view it reminded me of just like what a legitimate mark i was at this age we'll talk about the moments as we go through that like i was like is this really happening i'm like worried and like concerned and scared about about different moments yeah and who who did you go to this event with my father your father my dad my dad is uh my dad was never a wrestling fan we used to have an illegal black box for cable sure so we get free pay-per-view and I remember watching... Like, Wait, your father the cop? Yes. All the cops did. I feel like the statute of limitations is up on that yeah, one. Yeah, I'm sure this is like not like a big priority for like the <laughs> like New York Supreme Court to handle. I think they have bigger things in their mind these days. Uh, so, sounds like cl- Copland to me. <laughs> I, my, we used to watch some... I remember like watching some of the pay-per-views. They, just, they were free and they'd be on. And we'd put on like Royal Rumble or whatever. And he didn't... No one followed the storylines. It was just like putting on the boxing, mm-hmm. whatever that was just like on pay-per-view. Um, so he, but I was a huge fan. So he took me uh, to Survivor Series, and I was a sixth grader who was like pre-gay, gay. Uh, so definitely gay, but didn't fully understand. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need to buy a piece of merch. What is the piece of merch that I feel I'll get the most use out of? Sure. Like I don't want to just like buy, say like a glove or something that, like, uh, it's 
cool, but I'll never use. Like a fake title belt, when am I going to wear that? <laughs> so I decided to buy a zebra print leather motorcycle hat like a gay stripper. <laughs> uh, and that should have been, honestly, my family's at least one of the first clues. I feel like that's not the first clue. Probably not the first clue, but one of the loudest ones. Did, so did your dad, like, balk a little bit at it? Nope. He was just I, like, cool. just went along with it. He was like, okay. I was like, want the hat, I want the hat, I want the hat. Okay, got the hat. And I was like, yay! <laughs> so wear my little hat all happy. You wore it to school on Monday? I'm almost positive I did. Oh, boy. How mu- what was... Like, what was the quality of the hat? Was it very good quality? And then I kept it and like stayed like on a shelf I had with like trophies and things, you know what I mean? Like, whatever. What did you have trophies uh, for? Mostly participation, yeah. uh, to be to fully, to be fully this generation, <laughs> mostly participation. Like, I was on a t ball team, sure. <laughs> I, I would show up to one. Well, first of all, you were in sixth grade, so they were old, they were not recent oh, trophies. They were old trophies. <laughs> <laughs> trophies. Oh, good, your, your grade school trophies. I was kidding. It was mostly, I had a shelf that was mostly old trophies, then it was, um, empty used bottles of the Snapple elements. Remember like rain and fire? Snapple had those drinks. They no, were like no, big. You guys, someone help me out here. They were called Snapple elements and they were Snapple branded. They were clear bottles that were taller and thinner and like kind of like an interesting design. And there was rain, which tasted like agave. There was sun, fire, which was dragon fruit. And then they, and they well, released more as like time went on. Was this was this their attempt to combat uh, the growing fruitopia? It truly, I believe, was. And I so sort of do remember. I remember fire, and I remember dragon fruit. I don't know. They were very cool, and so I had I would we you would like keep the bottles when they were done because they were also like a little like minimalist art. Sort of like um the uh, like what what they do in college where you keep like you know the alcohol bottles that you yes had. exactly yeah. exactly and you did you want to like almost like Pokemon you had to like collect them all and so like. <laughs> I would have like you know one of each element, uh, so that was on the shelf four, next right? to then my Shawn Michaels motorcycle hat, <laughs> and like the program from the Survivor series, and I bet my parents still have this motorcycle hat somewhere in their attic right now. Like moved it to a different house and still have it. They still have the bottles. The bottles definitely not. <laughs> I wish they're probably worth something truly. Uh, but I, I was very excited. I definitely used an Arizona green tea bottle as a change holder for a long time. They but were I beautiful. did. But I didn't completely clean it out, so all the change. Yeah, exactly. That also is that's that's like a very that sounds very heterosexual to me. <laughs> to not clean it, something. Yeah, out. to like <laughs> keep it, but not really it. clean it. Like yeah. almost halfway, have something decent. <laughs> Uh, so we're now 30 minutes into this podcast, yeah, and we should intense. probably talk about oh, right. okay. some, one of the wrestling matches. Sure. So, what, well, by the way, I just want to say, uh, did you notice that Lawler uh, wore a sport jacket and no shirt underneath? I guess because he was wrestling later, but yeah, I think what he a was look. in his singlet. He, um, did we answer your question about what is Survivor Series? I guess, yeah, I guess. I mean, it just sounds, yeah. It, it. I mean, it's funny because they were having, like, singles stars in, in like, in doubles wrestling already, like British Bulldog, but not in the but four, not in like the. So like, this is keep in mind also like we're so spoiled now with all these like six man tag matches and all of these stipulation matches and like that wasn't the case at the time. Like this time, like you were getting singles match, like they were just starting to add more of the gimmick matches. Yeah. So when this, so this was the tenth Survivor Series. So if you think that you know ten years before this was like super innovative to be like wow eight wrestlers all at once that's that was crazy to them to even yeah. think of that. And then it became kind of a tradition from there. Well, I mean, yeah, I think they just didn't realize. Like, I what we've come to see in a lot of these pay-per-views so far is that they didn't think that stakes mattered. 
Like, they didn't think... They, they were just like, well, what if we just have people? Like, let's just have them wrestle for a little while. Well, yeah, I mean, this is what they're coming to terms with at this point, which is, like, that people are very tired of, like, he's the good guy, he's the bad guy, good conquers evil, go! And, like, right. stop there. And, like, that's why then they started losing the Monday Night Wars and all this stuff so badly is because that was the old way of doing things. And this pay-per-view marks a turning point where that starts to... All the rules go out the window. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So the first four and four Survivor Series elimination match we have is the uh, the tag teams uh, going against each other. On one side, uh, it was um, who are the new guys? Furnace, Furnace and Lafon. Furnace and Lafon. Furnace and Lafon sounding like uh, two castoffs of Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> is what they sounded like every time they were introduced. Were they like the French Canadian, right? Yeah. yeah. When it was American, wasn't? I think Furnace, Furnace was American. Is American, I think. So I don't, know. don't they become the Can Am Express? Wow, you're out. Oh, I knew they had they they were new to WWE. They were here for about a year, and they were from Japan. Yes, I think said that, and that's why it was they're so good. Actually, <laughs> they um, were really good. Yeah, and again, doing things that we take for granted now, like mm-hmm. a, like a released German suplex, is something that now we would just be like, cool. Like yeah. it wouldn't even be notable, but back then was like, holy shit. So they're tam- teamed up with uh, the Godwins, where I don't know about you guys, but I'm so fucking sick of seeing the Godwins. It's because we've seen them every single yeah. paper. And they're bad. And also, they're bad. They're not good wrestlers. No. Like, they're like a cheesy gimmick, um, and they're not good at wrestling. And so they're very boring. But I, I felt like once they were out of this match, it got so much better. I mean, first of all, uh, every time Owen gets in the ring, we've talked about this many, many, many times, but like... It's funny how when you're when you're watching the beginning of the match, I was like, "Holy shit, this match kind of sucks." Because it was like, I think it was like the Godwins were were going up against the New Rockers, the New Rockers, like and Marty Jannetty's parts pat way past his prime. Don't give point. a shit about any of that. Marty Marty Jannetty uh, took a full five minutes limping in the background. He hurt like, himself, oh. like for real. In this oh, match. he did. Yeah, yeah, he legitimately injured his, his. I believe he had a severe ankle sprain and he chipped a bone in his foot during Ooh. the match okay well then I, so he was legit injured but also though he was past his prime at this point and wrestling so not fucking uh, boring his also his partner who's his partner uh leaf cassidy leaf cassidy leaf oh cassidy. i was who's so excited good? when i finally when i realized who he was he will he will have a rebrand and a gimmick rebrand and have much more success later on but he's good he, he's he's not just good, he's great. He and he's trained a lot of um, a lot of our favorite wrestlers. Yeah, I think Leaf Cassidy, if what I remember is correct, uh, didn't his hair kind of look like he had gone away with his like family to the Bahamas and come back, or was that someone else? It it looked a little matted, but I he didn't have like he didn't have like oh, like some weird like like braids in it or some shit. Not that I noticed. He did have like a weird like high ponytail. I feel like maybe yeah, like a half up half down. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he he just looked weird with a porn mustache, but I'm glad he has, he's got a future ahead of himself after Marty Jannetty's leg falls off. <laughs> but I thought Furnace Lafon were great. I liked. Um, uh, I thought I remember being sexually attracted to Philip Lafon, and that stayed true for this. Uh, I did think Doug Furnace uh, wasn't sure what's going on with his Jerry curl. He he's looked like uh, Inigo Montoya from far away. <laughs> um, but yeah, oh, I was gonna say once Owen Hart jumps into the match like once he tags in oh it's so much fun to watch him like i know he does a lot of grappling but like he makes the grappling look really good yeah he's a great technical wrestler there was a weird commentary comment that i still don't understand what anyone was talking about where jr in full heel mode says the godwins were campaigning for clinton and i don't know what 
the, the they probably the aren't what? they billed as being from Arkansas? Yeah, they're. Yeah. They're, I think it's uh, it's like the you know because Bill Clinton was like the hillbilly. I guess it just felt very. I was like, what is this a? So Jr. Really? is still a heel, right? Yes. Okay. It tracks. It's just bad. Does it track? It just tracks. It's like, but it, but what's the implication? Because at this point, when this was this was after Clinton won, he had won earlier in the month. So recently, yeah. won the presidential election, but. Yeah. Well, I think um, so. One of the things that uh, I think I was I was listening to another podcast that was talking about like the whole Bill Clinton like Monica Lewinsky thing, right? Sure. But, or really all of the a lot of the scandals that Clinton went through when he was in office. And one of the things that they pointed out that they said when Clinton came into office was that, and I guess this was a big deal at the time, but not if you're you know in like ninth or tenth grade or eighth grade or sixth grade. Um, the it was i guess a big thing that he was like a, a, a real like homer about his about like who he brought in so he brought in he basically took everybody from arkansas who like helped him you know grow you know when he was governor and, and before that and brought them all with him to to dc so it might be like that was a kind of a commentary like these guys were you know like they're like you know oh, he was considered these like his people these like slop Pig, these sloppy pig farmers are yeah, like Clinton I, I people. Think even, well, also, uh, Henry O. Godwin was Secretary of Education at the time. Do you not remember <laughs> that? <laughs> I think, I think uh, even in Living Color had done some kind of like Beverly, Beverly Hillbillies about like sketch about Bill Clinton where they all, everyone's coming to, you know, to D.C. Uh, okay, I'll take it. But still, it was just a weird thing because it felt like more of a read on Bill Clinton than it did in the Godwins. And I just, I don't know. I just, it, didn't land. Did, I mean, everything with the Godwins doesn't land anymore. Like I'm so I'm so done with them. Uh, weird, um, weird refereeing on this pay per view. You mean the guy up top and the, the guy in the, the bottom? Two, the two. I was trying to look at the history. I'm like, was that a thing they just did at Survivor Series all the time? I couldn't remember. Like, was it a special thing for this one? Because they weren't people weren't. I I couldn't remember what the reason was. They talk about it on Raw leading up to it. No, I didn't see that at all. I didn't see any. I I, I couldn't make heads or tails out of why there was two refs. The, the second ref comes into big play in the later Survivor Series match we'll talk about. But um, one of the weirder moments for me in in this and and it's it's a, I know it's a wrestling thing, but uh, when Leaf spits on one of the Godwins and Godwin runs up to like attack him and the referee's like hold back is the whole thing is the point of this is they're supposed to be attacking each other, but was he too mad to continue <laughs> the fight at that point? Or? <laughs> Hold on, cool off. This is just wrestling. <laughs> no need to get your panties in a bunch. Um, yeah, it was whatever. I mean, honestly, the Furnace and Lafon stuff was my favorite stuff. Yeah, the second uh, half of the match was much yeah, better. Than I was the first. very, design, I was I very bored at the beginning of this match. Yeah. Once the Godwins were out, and it was just down to uh, Furnace and Lafon versus Owen Hart, British Bulldog, and Leaf Cassidy. At that point, things really picked up. Steam. Yeah, I think it was around uh, Lafon's spinning heel kick that I was like, okay, this is a, a better match. And he fucking caught him on the face, mm-hmm. like in a like that that kick, whether it connected a full force or not, it looked great. Yeah, yeah. And then the elimination of Bulldog looked good, looked really good. Um, then I was definitely rooting for Owen to to knock these two guys out, but it was obvious that they they're the they're doing a big push for for the new guys here. Do these guys have a future? They say that uh, yeah. they, they do a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So all right. Okay. We, they do have a future. I mean, the, I, I, they weren't taking on shot, but no. I mean, like, <laughs> like, is this? Is, this For wasn't the, like the later matches where we start seeing like some people who come in and have no, a. Oh no! The, For the next year, they'll be in the tag team title picture. Yes. Yeah. That's, okay. As long as maybe they'll they'll but I don't, the smoking guns or something. But I also don't see Furnace and Lafon being inducted to the Hall of Fame anytime soon. No. Okay. Neither okay. do I. Well, they did. They they acquitted themselves 
Yeah, they were great. Well. And brought in a new style of wrestling into WWE, which is another why this match matters in the sort of grander scheme of things. Because they brought in the sort of Japanese style, more suplexes and more, into more exciting. Yeah. Anybody else got anything on this one? That's all I got on yeah, this okay. one. Yeah, same here. Uh, so then we go back to, back to the boiler room. As a matter of fact, let's go down to the bowels of the building, if you would. Kevin Kelly is there with Mankind. Kevin, can you hear us? Yes, I can, Vince. I'm also here with Paul Bear. And uh, Mr. Bear, in just moments, you will be raised high above the ring. In a small cage, you'll be unable to interfere. And if the Undertaker can incapacitate Mankind enough, you'll be lowered right back down into so. the Undertaker's waiting arms. I don't arms. think so. I'm not going in no cage. I'm not an animal. I'm not going in a cage. Because I'm Paul Bear, and you're not. Don't worry, Uncle Paul. Think back to Buried Alive. Think back to with his last dying gasp, how the Undertaker came to life. It doesn't bother me, because I know whatever form you take, Undertaker, you'll be crawling with your gasping breaths down the aisle at Madison Square Garden, and I will stomp you like the cockroaches I used to call dinner, and just like those lovely insects at Survivor Series. Undertaker, I'm gonna eat you alive! What did I say? Yes, yes, yes! Mankind loves his boiler rooms. He, I think he, he's like a lizard. You know, like they need to be near heat. <laughs> like he, instead of laying on a rock in the sun, he just goes <laughs> in the boiler room. Mick Foley's got a heating rock in the middle of his living room. <laughs> it's just crazy how young he looks, even under all the shit, like yeah. under the mask and stuff. Like yeah. he's like, I can't believe that's Mick Foley because he looks. He's slimmer. He's like, he's not all hunched. He doesn't have a hump. You know what I mean? Like he's not all hunched over and broken in like that many ways yet. He's still so fresh. A nubile? It's like, I don't know, but uh, I don't probably, know if anybody ever used the word fresh to describe McFoley. But. It's probably all those cockroaches that he has for dinner. Probably. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the cockroaches, he's going to stomp him like a cockroach. Mm-hmm. Like those cockroaches he eats for dinner. Does he stomp on cockroaches and then eat crushed cockroaches? Like a does, puree? Yeah, like... Like it's like a, it's like the what they do in the countryside of France. Yeah, exactly. He needs an immersion blender, is what it comes down to. <laughs> so just, get him a Vitamix. He <laughs> just pulls up his he pulls up his pants legs, has a nice little cockroach stop, and then they ferment them for a while. <laughs> it's cockroach like a, it's like Snowpiercer. Yeah. God, I still haven't seen that. Don't bother. It's good. Oh fuck that movie. Until the end. <laughs> anyway, um, Paul Bearer being the most Paul Bearer right now. <laughs> So I, think, I love Paul Bearer, and I totally think that Paul Bearer is literally brilliant, but there's only so much Paul Bearer that I want to be like, mute, mute, mute. I can't hear. The oh, you don't you don't like the, the camera Woo! on Paul Bearer where you get to hear him commenting on the match when he's above? Yes, man, God, yay! <laughs> the mandible claws! Yay! Yay, yeah. yeah. queen! And he is so committed. <laughs> Uh, they didn't give me any stitches, but I'm going to bleed again tonight. <laughs> oh, God. Eric's blading, you guys. <laughs> Slayer Queens. Yes. Yes. Um, I wish he was doing that because he is so committed to the I'm Paul Bearer and you're not David Letterman riff that yeah. it's embarrassing. It does not, And that truly never gets over. 
Um, I did like the, I'm not going in a cage. I'm not going in a cage. And then Undertaker shows up. I was like, well, I guess I'm going in the cage. Um, did nobody clear the the gr- the grounds of this match or the conditions with him? Like, were they like, well, no, no, it's just going to be a normal match. And they're like, well, is there no, there's no cage? Nope, no, nope, we're fine. Let's get on the subway. <laughs> um... And then the Undertaker's entrance. Can oh wait! Pop, b- before oh, before please. that though, did anybody notice the graphic where the Survivor Series logo was circling the Twin Towers? <gasps> no, no. Oh god! Well, if there's a second logo coming in, <laughs> oh no! Oh, it was an inside job. No. Oh god! What's it was the melting Man point of a logo? <laughs> Jesus. Um, Undertaker's entrance. <laughs> First of all, you're all giving shade to this Undertaker entrance, but let me tell you, Dave Navarro did the same thing at the Ink Master finale <laughs> oh, and two we years loved ago. It. We, everyone we ate, ate it up. <laughs> Look, I will tell you at at the time, being honestly like chills induced from like that entrance. Like, from I, Undertaker I remember, Batman? Yeah, I remember like I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. Like just how dark Madison Square Garden got when no one had cell phones. You know what I mean? Like, were people, lights went were out. people using lighters? People were using lighters. And, and the like, I remember, I forgot how cool it used to look at re- in wrestling particularly, all the flash bulbs going off when something yeah. cool mm-hmm. would happen. And that used to be such a cool thing. They would put it into the shitty Super Nintendo video games where like literally were like, you know, 16 megapixels or whatever. And they uh, would even still in, have yeah, even in a regular Nintendo, on. they used to have that in like Punch-Out, I think. It was yeah. see, like, in the cool. Background. I, was, I forgot how cool that looked. Yeah, and I, like just I remember being in that arena and how dark it was was like sc- it was true it was scary because uh, you couldn't see like two feet like two inches in front of your own. And face. then this giant bat comes <laughs> and this down. This giant leather well, bat. And Paul, Paul Barry even said in the intro thing, "Is like whatever form he takes, mankind will." And so he chose this form. This is the form that he decided. Well, this is, is the first time we're seeing. He is him the Batman since um, buried alive. So he yeah. was buried alive. Yeah. He, came he out. didn't come out in any raw. No. Wow. This okay. is a, this is the first time we're seeing him. This is interesting because they spent a lot of time and, and like it was a marked difference. No more purple gloves. Yeah. Uh, he no looked more like bats on his boots. He looked like a he looked like a Ronin. He had like the 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 the, the samurai yeah. ponytail thing. He uh, he also wrestled differently. Yeah, he brought in some new moves, more aggressive, more like this was really he, was, he grappled and he 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 was quicker. This is the like the beginning of Undertaker will go through several mostly related mostly incarnations, but this man really stepped up his game from like the kind of uh, not cheesy but one note character he was mm-hmm. before, which was like very old school wrestling. Like he's the scary man, just like the tax man and the clown man. He's the scary man. Yeah, no, <laughs> he is... he was like he was he was the no cell monster. Yeah, like, and this is his first. That it was awesome, and I, I this wasn't their best match we've seen, and this especially coming off of Buried Alive well, yeah, and, and uh, Boiler Room Brawl. So this is just a match. And yeah, that's I think that's the only problem that I had with this is that it just it didn't do anything I think to further the story. No, uh, it, I mean it was. Yeah, it, well, I think it was the the only thing it did that that did for this the story was it was a rebirth of Undertaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, which fine. I mean, like, but it was you know it was a fine enough match. They they went out in the crowd. They did some stuff I mean, out there. And and Paul Bearer is spending this entire match in a shark's cage up above. And I was just waiting for his Enzo Amore moment where he strips down and started greasing himself up to try to slip through. I have never been so thankful for something not to have happened. <laughs> uh, I, you, I think you guys are 
underestimating this match. I think it is better. I, I thought it was really good. It's a real. I think we're spoiled because we're coming off of these like super gimmicky matches. But these guys know each other's chemistry so well at this point that this is just like a fucking great match to watch. Like the storytelling of like going after the hand because the mandible claw, like the, the ring psychology, all that stuff. Yeah, it is sure, like just a really sure. there, good match. There are really good moments in this match. Undertaker biting Mankind's hand and him starting squealing. Yeah. That fucking pile driver that Mick Foley hits the Undertaker with that I thought he might be, par- like even knowing that he's not, I thought, oh, he might, he's paralyzed now. He's He's done. Yeah. Yeah. Or what about when Mankind attacks uh, Undertaker with what looked like a folded up piece of toilet paper roll? I didn't understand what, what that is supposed to be. I thought it looked like a What's, straight blade from a barber. I, I was I, like, what are we doing, Sweeney Todd? Like, I think it's supposed to be a shiv, like something that he kind of like sharpened himself. But there's no blading. There's no bleeding. It's the same thing that he brought out a few pay-per-views ago. And yeah, it's like, a blunt object. A, yeah. but it's And he's just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you on the head with this thing. Like and a ball-peen hammer? Like, yeah, what are we doing? Work. Uh, yeah, it was, that part was kind of dumb. They also missed, like, a really good opportunity for a close-up. There was a point where, um, there was a, a, I think Mankind had Undertaker in a submission, and they're raising up his arm and dropping it, raising up his arm, and then they raise up his arm, and he, like, his arm stiffens, and I think he maybe even grabs Mankind by the throat. Yeah. Yeah. We're so far away from it, we're in, like, a wide shot for this, so we don't get to, like, you know, any kind of pop of, like... That you know when you know because obviously he's gonna sell that really well, and they just kind of mm-hmm. were like it was like eh, you know, it it was a cool thing, but I think we we missed a good opportunity to see it be cooler. Yeah, agree. Bad direction there. Um, and I'll, also Bobby, I will will definitely give Undertaker's agility in this match when um he's coming he, he's Irish whipped to the other side and comes back around and Mankind pulls down the ring ropes and he flies yeah. over the top right there and it was so cool to watch. Um, that kick to Mankind's face that hits him into the barrier. There are definitely, definitely some cool moments here. It's just, this. it, it feels like it's kind of stagnating. And then... I can't, I, 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 I'm fine, but I mean, I just think we're coming from the perspective of these are two guys who have had some of the most memorable moments ever. Mm-hmm. And that's a high bar. Like, they're not all going to be thrown through the hell in the cell. Like, right. Well, right. We're not saying that, like... You know, real they're good. shitty, which is—it's just like you, if you're going to rate them, you know, rate them for what they are. And in this in this case, like the whole thing was, if he get if he wins, then he's going to be able to beat up Paul Bearer. Right, and I think annoying. I think that he could have like had some time with Paul Bearer before. Ugh, the, the executioner. executioner, executioner looking like Howie Mandel with a balloon over his head. <laughs> <laughs> there were so many bad looks in this show, yeah. like. Oh boy. We could just do an entire thing, just like rating the files. outfits. Yeah. Of Speaking this one. of which, we have more to say on Undertaker Mankind. I, I yeah. uh, a couple other things. What did you think of Undertaker's uh, teardrop? Uh, that was an, I did a little bit of appropriation, <laughs> huh? <laughs> well, he was buried alive, and while he was underground, he did kill a man. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, yeah while yeah, he, he was in prison in hell, while he, he was, and his boys uh, yeah. took out a hit. It was that shit was was super weird, and I don't think it. Uh, yeah, I think that's another and, really and poor. The look. stupid thing is when they've got the announcing, but like, ah, oh, he has some kind of marking under his eyes. If they can't tell what a fucking teardrop looks like, yes, it was, and it was like black, and it looked like a sticker. Yeah, know. it was. Well, it had to be because other if it was anything else, it would have come off. off. Yeah. Uh, did you also hear when Lawler said that mankind? Uh, he loves doing things that no one ever thought that he could do. Like, 
painting? (laughs) Playing a sonata? Getting into college? (laughs) (laughs) He's just, he really likes... He's going to Vassar in the fall. (laughs) He loves to defy the odds. He got waitlisted, but you know what? Damn it, he pushed through. Yeah, he actually is a very good chef. It's a, no one thought that he'd be good at that. He opened his Just own ask the cockroaches. <laughs> um, I did put in my notes that this was an A plus match, so I do think it's still. I mean, I think an A plus. I just this was a five star match. No, yep, it no. was. This was a five no. star match. I'm not the only one no. to think so. No. I I did like a lot of it. I I I didn't like the end. This is a B plus match right here. It is an A minus at worst. Well. It's okay. It's it's got an okay GPA. We'll, we'll put a we'll put a poll up on the website if we have the <laughs> the capability of doing that. Um, anything, Eric, anything else? Uh, no, I'm ready to talk about so, America Online. <laughs> my favorite segment in all of these. This might be our segment. Is like keeping up with America Online. Let's what check is in. Ha- what did they even? Regardless of what's happening. What is the what are we supposed to have the takeaway be? What do they want us to think is happening? I think Farnes, Farnes and Lafon are getting tech support, and they maybe because they won now they have to set up a website on AOL, and they've got the tech support guys working on it. But truly, what what is I, the intention? I think it was that that these they're telling the people what to write. To people on the America Online chat, they're chatting. They're chatting through through people. There's the woman who came straight from Central Casting as a secretary <laughs> in the '80s, like just straight from Central Casting. She is having no fun at all being She's there. Like, oh, Mr. Grant, like they said, Mr. Lafon, called online too on America Online. Like that is what she's totally doing. She's like Janine from Bobby Ghostbusters. Is also, Bobby's also frantically typing, mommy typing, <laughs> forgetting again that this is not a visual medium. Why she's Janine from Ghostbusters. That's my that's my final my final offer. Or the one from Oh God, what was that movie? Oh God, you guys are gonna love this. I believe it was Michael J. Fox, and he opens his own kids' talent agency, Life with Mikey, Life of Mikey, Life yes, with Mikey. Yes, that is that is a movie. And I believe the secretary Bright Lights, Big City. was the secretary played by Cindy Lauper. Oh Jesus! But regardless, that's who this woman is. Um, the guy to me, like, just looked like Harvey Wimpleman shaved and, and just went went in <laughs> wearing a suit, wearing his denim America Online shirt. <laughs> what is happening? And so the, the idea is that people are chat in a chat room. With not the wrestlers, with these people. Well, first of all, these are wrestlers. Speaking they don't. They have really us. thick fingers. Well, you, and you know, you know that they don't know the home keys. They're hunting and pecking the whole time. <laughs> and they're French Canadian. Maybe they don't. You know, maybe they don't again. Speak only one of them. Only one of them. Only one of them. Oh, so the I other guy that. is just like I don't know. I'm... Ironically, it's it's Furnace, the one though. thing it's, that it's, I've it's known Lafon. that Bobby doesn't know. So I'm gonna. It's not Furnace. It's Lafon. Lafon. Lafon rocking very early dad bod, and I'm super into it. Okay, I would definitely get in that chat room. Now comes my favorite outfit of the entire evening, which is Sunny oh in a multicolor velour halter crop top and coordinated flare pants. <laughs> and she skips out looking as fresh as she possibly can. I the think Mickey hottest... James I think Mickey James still wears that outfit. Bitch stole her look. <laughs> the hottest woman in, in On the Earth. WWF at this moment. No, the hottest woman in America. She is more downloaded than Pamela Anderson. She's more downloaded than Jenny McCarthy, as she reminds us here. She was the most downloaded woman Whatever on the that internet means. that year. Well, it just means that she was hanging out in the men's locker room. There was like one internet you they could download from, so it was easy to track. Well, it was all on AOL. Was, could you imagine these days being like, "What's the who's the most downloaded person? You're like, first of all, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> are we 3D printing a man? It's, it's, it's we, Johnny Mnemonic. 
Is this weird science? How are you the most talented person? She actually is has to appear medium? in each person's living room. Like you could barely see who the most searched person is. You'd be like on what on Google on Facebook what? Like this, she's like nope. She is the most downloaded woman on the well, internet. Nobody nobody can stream what? her at this point. She's certainly the most downloaded on in the locker room. That's oh, for sure. I made that locker room oh. joke just five oh, seconds ago. <laughs> Um, by the way, Sunny dances like a mom at a wedding. Hell yeah. Oh my so, God. And you know who else does too? Vince. Oh. She's, yeah. They're it's both like, just like step touching. It's like white wine drunk. You know, just like, <laughs> oh, this is good. You guys don't know this reference, but it's very Ramona Singer, Turtle Time, Real Housewives of New York. If there's any crossover fans out there wrestling in Real Housewives, oh, I know Ramona. Let me know. Yeah, Ram- well, yeah I don't know. I know a Ramona. Classic clip of her going Turtle Time, Turtle Time, and swirling Pinot Grigio in a way that. No, no explanation. Well, I feel like the the audience for this is somebody who has a cross section of wrestling, Real Housewives of New York, and Bell and Sebastian. So <laughs> it's basically this entire podcast is just for Bobby and nobody else. Truly, this is the best Venn diagram I've ever been. A part I had of. that album; it was very good. I still love that album. <laughs> um. So, uh, first out, we had Crush. Who's Crush? Crush was um the third member of Demolition. Um, oh, the the up until the new day, the longest running tag team champions. Yep, whose record was broken because they have like a loss. They're part of like a class action lawsuit against the WWE slash F for like traumatic brain injuries from like being a wrestler and getting hit in the head all those times. Um, so they wanted to erase their legacy, which is why the new day broke the record. Anyway, Crush was a less successful third man brought into that team later on was demolition the one that dressed up sort of like kiss or um, a little bit or like mad max no yes. yeah. so there They're was not, not legion of there doom. was legion of doom and there was demolition uh demolition was more silver and legion of doom was more red yeah but yeah. otherwise yes i think uh, who are the other guys in demolition Axe and Smash. I think I sort of remember them. They're okay. more. They're they were the ones when you think of demolition. It's it's them. Yeah. Crush came later. Cause like Sting kind of always looked like part like he would have been part of demolition if he was in if he or, wasn't in WCW or Legion of Doom. I mean yeah. Legion of Doom and, and demolition were because Legion of Doom was like they were kind of like had like uh, mohawks right. Yep. Yeah. And, and Legion of Doom were, was known as the Road Warriors for a minute there as well. Oh, just nice. like just like straight up cannot do off. that. Yeah. Um, uh, but now Crush is doing his best 1996. And he had, he had a different gimmick in between them. He was sort of like a blonde surfer guy, which is like is his most like real life situation because he's like from Hawaii and all this stuff. Um, but now but it, he's got a fake forehead tattoo. Oh, boy. Um, what else did he the have? The braids. The braids. And it's not on this pay-per-view, but he definitely at one point had the nose ring attached yes, yep. to the earring. Yep, that's correct. <gasps> that is correct. So he's kind of like a tough, like a tough, like a biker tough guy. Um, he probably wanted to borrow your biker. <laughs> Excuse me, a friend to ride my motorcycle home. No, he definitely is like wearing sort of like the Nazi-ish one with the point in the middle. Oh. That's for sure more his the style. The helmet. Yeah, the pith helmet. Yeah. And he's teamed up with uh, Goldust, Jerry Lawler, and uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, who... One of my favorite moments from this whole thing was the guy giving him the finger and him just brushing it aside <laughs> on his way down in the most foppish way possible. <laughs> this is Triple H getting out of the 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 the, no, the, Connecticut the timeout Blue corner, Blood. but this is him. Oh. But this is him getting out of the timeout oh, corner yeah, yeah, a little yeah. bit. And he's Intercontinental Champion. The sort of the click whole uh, like punishment thing yeah, is yeah. starting. You know, he's getting he's being able to be built back. Well, because I saw him at the last pay per view and he started to have some stuff happen. Yeah, he's picking up more momentum and things like that now. Uh, I thought the pre, the pre-match, like promos backstage with the heels was 
was truly terrible. Like, made no one made any sense. Triple H did the best. But then Crush chimes in with, like, it's good thing it's called Survivor Series. Doesn't really qualify, like, why that is. Just moves, <laughs> keeps moving on. And then Goldust just, like, says his catchphrase. It's like, we all good here? Like, I'm just very lazy. Oh, right. What does Goldust say? Like, you will remember Never forget my... the name of yeah. Goldust. Which is, like, his thing. Fine. But, like, mm-hmm. the whole thing was dumb. Uh... And then the, 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 the whole thing is Mark Henry was supposed to be on the team. Mark Henry, who we've seen wrestle Lawler barely before. And just imagine if we had Mark Henry's walking tour of New York before this at some point. I would love to see that. He's just so happy to be anywhere, that guy. This is Mark- Ray's famous pizza. This is famous Ray's pizza. <laughs> Mark Henry just touching Ellis Island. <laughs> High-fiving the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> But he is injured at a house show before this, sincerely. Uh, but they also keep him off TV for a very long time after that because they realize they're like, oh, wow, you actually just don't know how to wrestle at all, do you? Oh. But, I mean, also earlier that day, and you can find this online, there was a tug of war. No, that, was that earlier that day? I think so. I thought that was... That might have been taped way in advance. Maybe. I don't know. But okay. I, th- I think they aired it on like the pre-show for this. Maybe. I don't Maybe. know. Yeah, so I watched that and I was like, "Are they just doing summer camp games now? Is this like, is it was it color war at that point?" And they're just like, well, "Guys, we don't need to wrestle. We can do." Te- we Mankind can- has to run around with an egg on a spoon in his mouth. <laughs> the three-legged race with uh, Lawler and they put and- Jade the Snake in a, pota- in a potato sack. Yeah. <laughs> the snake. <laughs> that snake is so scared. Um, and then, so then we got the faces come out. We've got Mark Merrow with Sable rocking full, uh, Betty Draper hair. Yes. Sable had a flat iron, which is like, yeah, Betty. she's like, do we, am I going to have the Rachel? What are we doing? It's weird that I think I like her with the big hair better. Oh, for sure. I always a big fan of big hair. It's a gay thing, I think, but I always love women with big hair. The bigger the hair, the better. Um, so um I'm not a fan of this look. The stalker, which, so he, so. Is he a ripoff Hulk Hogan? Well, none of us here have ever been WCW marks, but he was like a big deal in WCW, Yeah, and correct? he's like a legacy. He's like yeah. a second generation performer um, uh, from like a very influential, his father was like very, was like a very big tag team wrestler, I believe, like the NWA, like big, like the old like territory days. Um, so he's supposed to be coming with all this stuff, but he's saddled with this insanely dumb gimmick. And he looks like... What is the gimmick? Is the gimmick that he's... He's like a hunter. It's like the, the the stalker is not like a stalker as we think of it, like Penn Badgley on you. Like what it is is more of like a, it's like a stalking prey. And usually, he, he, I don't know if he was doing it in, just in promos or he didn't start doing it until after this match, but he would paint his face like camouflage. He was well. he was billed as from the environment. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> and he looks like you're do you're playing like WWE 2K and you go to the creator wrestler mode and that's just the prototypical yes. he's wearing a WWF t-shirt. Oh. He doesn't have his own t-shirt, so he's just like, no, I'll just take that one from the Or even just a black plain t-shirt. Yeah. Yep. And those, you know, that uh that red and yellow or red and white camouflage that looks like no environment on this earth. <laughs> I really want to blend into, like, bloody snow. It's for heat vision. <laughs> uh, he comes out. Then, of course, oh. we get... Rocky Mavia, the... who never did anything again. <laughs> yes. The moment where The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, makes his debut as so This was his Rocky. debut debut. This is his first time first ever, yeah. ever. Why did they throw okay. him in for Survivor Series? Because he's brand new. Because he's green. And so that you don't want, like, when you're in a tag match like this, it hides your 
weaknesses because he doesn't rely on you that much. And I mean, that's one of the things that I realized watching this show is that um, nowadays they do such a great job building these guys up so that you basically know them before they even, even going back to like Adam Rose's weird promos before he showed up on the main roster. And so this was just an opportunity to showcase and build these guys up strong from the beginning. So that's why we had Furnace and LaFon winning the tag team Survivor Series match. And now, Bobby, Mm -hmm. uh, 1996, Rocky Mavia comes out. What was your reaction to him? Sexual. (laughs) Sexually attractive. Even Uh, with that hair. Even with, it was the 90s. It was I mean, the it highest, was a different time. highest possible hair. But I, uh, more importantly, I just feel like, especially as a sixth grader, like I, again, I was like a true mark. And so you give me like the smiling good guy, like I'm going to, I'm like on board. Like I, I'm buying whatever they're selling. And so if they're like root for this guy, I am rooting for that guy. Yeah. Um, and so and I, I, he was great. And he was like colorful and bright. And you just like see he was so happy to be there. And I know it's cliche and stuff now that he goes by like how electrifying he was. Or whatever, but he really is so fucking charismatic that he is kind of like a once in a generation like entertainer like yeah he, people sure. really people, the crowd seem to like him in this time <laughs> yeah the people will turn like so they will and we'll talk about this especially in the main event too that this is also a time when folks are starting to not cheer for the good guy like they're supposed to and people are very confused but this is a kind of an ecw effect that's happening to WWF at the time mm. that now folks are sort of not are, are rooting for the bad guys and anti-heroes and stuff like sure. that but he gets a big pop here he gets like really he's embraced by the crowd here and he will totally lose all that fan support very quickly um, but they also uh, he was great they also keep calling him they're like they go into a lot of explanation about how his name is his wrestling name is Rocky Mavia but his yeah. name is Dwayne Johnson like they and they they're like yep Dwayne Johnson Dwayne Johnson well, apparently he and it's a, a legacy thing yeah right. he's a, he was Rocky apparently Johnson. also a huge though uh, like football mm-hmm. success college football success right. so he was w- on the, a national champion uh, Miami Hurricanes team so they wanted to capitalize I think on both his real life persona and also like this wrestling and also reinforce that he is the first ever third generation star right um, so that's a it's a big deal that he he's there and, and so they're gonna push him big and then of course we get well but. It, out of the three faces that they have in there, who do they give the microphone to? Mark Marrow. Oh, He's the talking one out of the group who calls out Jake the Snake Roberts. Jake looks in bad shape. Rough. Rough. Very, very, very rough. He also has that, that thing that he does. It's the, I'm going to punch my shoulder so I can punch, so I can like jack up my arm to punch you. It's the, like the, this thing, like, like that, it it doesn't sell anything. Wait, which thing is that, Eric? In this, <laughs> it's like he he goes across his chest to the the the, the hand that's gonna punch you. He is to make him to make his hand punch you. He has to hit that shoulder with his other hand across his chest. I don't know if I caught this. That's like it's like his thing all the time. It it, it doesn't sell as a punch. Well, is it is it doing like to get to get the sound? He's like that kind of thing. Sort of. I don't know if I caught that. Sort of. Yeah, I don't know. It's not worth rewatching because then you have to go through <laughs> this again. Yeah, I'd like to not watch Hate the Snake Wrestle again. I'm good with that. Yeah, uh, he just, a lot of the stuff, he looked like he got gassed really, really quickly. So you like this match, Bobby? No, no, no. I definitely think this is. No, 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 no. No, no, yes, no. Bobby, this is a good us. match. No, no, no. But I, at this time, though, I was a huge Mark Marrow fan and I was really digging this Rocky Maivia kid. And again, this is an important pay per view. Yeah, this yeah. is not a good pay per view. I still disagree with that. Okay. But this is not a great match. I totally agree this is not a good match. No, it's not. Um, 
Mero gets gold paint all over him. Yeah. Right across his chest. But I don't think, I know, I don't think this was good. Uh, Sunny on commentary, I don't think makes any sense. Oh, God. She's she's so bad. She's got a King's Joke book, I think. She literally. But also, she's not playing by any, like, she's putting over both faces and heels, so it's, like, not clear, like, what role she's in. Because she's, like, putting over, I mean, they're all putting over Rocky. Like, hard. Even her. So, like, but she's also putting over Triple H. So I don't really get, like, where she stands. But my question is... She says that she's allergic to cigars, and I want to know if that was a character choice or if that's true. <laughs> if she's like, no, me, Tammy Sitch, I love a cigar. I love a stogie, but Sonny is allergic to cigars. It probably goes back to her childhood. Yeah. Jerry Lawler's haircut made him, to me, look a little bit like Bobby Hill. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a real, like, little, like, the little boy from the corner, from around the corner wanted to come play. But also, everyone's going to be rocking a Caesar haircut in, like, 97. You no, know what God. I mean? Like, that is... I had a friend, my, my best friend did, too. Literally yeah. everyone had a Caesar. Uh, I, it's really hard to believe that Jake... I, we're going to go back to Jake for just a second, but it's really Caesar. hard to believe that he gets the hot tag. Like, <laughs> he comes in and just clears the like, ring. People like... are so excited to see him that they're like, that's who we want, so that's who the crowd's going to pop for. Blech. I did think it was very... I do think I enjoyed watching Jerry Lawler pretend to be drunk. Like, his drunken stumble was very actually funny to watch in, like, a clown sort of way. Yeah. I was like, good, I like your body work. He sure. he studied in France, actually. He was <laughs> a, he did a lot of mime work. <laughs> um, and and I it, we got a little bit of closure here, finally, for this Jake the Snake versus Jerry Lawler Agreed. thing that's been going on for a while. It was weird when the commentary was like... Uh, it's think Jerry Lawler's got a score to settle with Jake. I was like, I think that's the other way around. I guess, but I think didn't... No, I guess Jake didn't win the match that we saw. But maybe he won on, like, a TV thing. I don't remember. Uh, anyway, who cares? It doesn't no, matter. Literally, cares. literally, who cares? Who cares is, like, is like the, the credo of this match. But it really was just... This was about The Rock. This was about mm-hmm. putting him over, seeing him, seeing what he's doing. And, um, yeah, I thought... It was successful in that regard. Did you notice that they didn't even bother to show us the pin of Mark Marrow? Like he didn't get pinned, he got counted out. I thought. Oh, did he? Of I the... he counted out. No idea. I don't even know. Nobody knows. He did, he did I, a good Marrow it says, salt. It says right Mero here salt? in my in my notes. How was Marrow eliminated? I believe he was counted out. You have seven pages of notes. I on took a lot of notes. This thing on this pay per view. Okay. I believe he was counted out here. Um, but the thing about you know The Rock recently within the last maybe year or two. I want to say maybe, maybe one more year, maybe three years. Anyway, The Rock did a video, like it's on YouTube, you could see like him looking back at this match, like, and like critiquing it in real time. That's um, cool. Like President Day Rock. And it is funny, like, because I, I wondered like why we saw him from the back so much at the end. He didn't realize where the hard cam was. <laughs> he thought the hard cam was where the ramp was. So that's why at, when he won at the end, he's just like totally selling to the ramp. And the, the shot is just his back for like so long. Because it was his first match, and he did not know where the hard camera was. That's pretty was. funny. Um, and he's, he's just a likable guy, and, and I thought it was he had a fun move set. Could you, his finishing move for so long was the shoulder breaker. What a shitty finishing move that is. What does that even have? That's what mind? he did. That's how he finished Gold Dust. So he had like well, he has a, kind of like a tombstone, but he gets down on like one knee instead of two, and the other knee he gets their shoulder on. Oh, okay. Nia yeah. Jax does it now still as like a in her regular repertoire. Like it's just it's like it's like you're carrying somebody fireman style, and then you just instead take of a knee. pile driving them, you hit you land their shoulder on your knee. Is what you're selling. That is yeah, not that interesting. It was it's not it's not a finisher. Can we talk about the really good match now? Yes. Now we can talk about 
Oh, one of the best Hitman. matches Fantastic. of all time. Like, like from the there's like five, n- not even five from since we started watching this that I would say is the and this is definitely a contender for one of the best matches that we've seen. So Let's start by saying what what are the stakes, if any, in this match? The winner gets a shot as a number one contender, so that's very real stake right off the bat. So winner gets what? Number one contender. So okay. the winner is going to fight whoever wins. The main event on Survivor Series, so the, whoever the champion is, oh. will face the winner of this match next at the next pay per view. On the last pay per view, it was Sid versus Vader for the number one contender for this one here. So. Got it, got it, got so it. So they that the, that is like a very real stake, but also in advance of this, Bret Hart's been very back and forth. Like Bret Hart was in contract negotiations. Yeah, his contract lapsed, and he was taking some time off, and obviously getting huge offers from WCW. So there's there's like a kind of a bidding war to to resign him to WWF. Um, at this time, also, once he was signed, I believe, Bret Hart said something maybe in an interview. I'm not sure if it was even televised, but at some point he said Austin was the best wrestler like the, in the WWF besides himself, basically. Yeah. Um, and Austin's like, let's prove this or something. Like, let's do it. Let's call him. And they like, challenged him to be like, if I'm the best, I'm better than you also or something like that. And that was like kind of like their, how it started. It was like a Bret Hart, Steve Austin, who's the better like ring general. Yeah. Now, I don't think we can talk about Steve Austin in this match without going back a few weeks to Raw to one of the most fill in the adjective here offensive, like insane, uh, off the mark, like totally inappropriate, disgraceful, but also one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I, I, I think I will never get the image unburned into my memory of Brian Pillman holding a Glock and just like literally like just aiming off camera, like, like looking like he had the fear of God and was going to literally shoot somebody. Now I was 11 and I, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, so let's go back. So November 4th, 1996. I'm 11. Yeah. Um, and I am fully, not fully, but could be convinced that what is happening is real. (laughs) Like could so I remember watching the Brian Pillman incident, where Steve Austin, dear listeners, uh, on an episode of Monday Night Raw, Brian Pillman, who has been sort of feuding with Austin by proxy, has a relationship with Bret Hart. Actually, let me rewind this a little bit even more because it's so weird because he he and Pillman seemed like the best of friends. Pillman and Austin used to be a tag team called the Hollywood Blondes. Steve Austin had long blonde hair, and they right. were like. <laughs> They were like kind of like almost Shawn Michaels y. Well, that's like what that's where, that's where st- uh, Steve Austin had the stunner. Yes. Because they were like, he was stunning, stunning Steve stunning. Austin. Stunning. Like Money Hart. <laughs> yes, <Queen. laughs> yes. Yes. So they were a team. And then Brian Pillman developed this other persona where he was a loose cannon. That was his whole thing. And he Literally cannon. <laughs> in WCW and in ECW, was like doing this loose cannon thing. Went to WWF. Uh, and then was aligning with the Hearts. And so it kind of became like a proxy while Bret Hart was out to kind of continue this feud with Steve Austin. See, uh, he's going to do, Pillman was going to do, after being injured by Austin, not in real life, he got in a car accident, which is where he injured his uh, ankle uh, or his foot or whatever, with injury he had. Uh, But it was K-Fab, K-Fab? K-Fab. That Austin did it with a chair on Raw, blah, blah, blah. So he's home in his home, which they kept saying was outside Cincinnati, but it's also in Kentucky. But yeah, suburban, Kentucky is. suburban Cincinnati is in Kentucky. This was a thing that I had to look at a map Wait, for. that so, really is a thing? Because yeah. that was very confusing. Yeah, yeah no, Cincinnati is like right on the... I didn't even... 
I'm so bad at geography. I didn't even realize Kentucky is right next to Ohio. So. Is Kentucky actually next to anything? <laughs> yeah. I, it doesn't make any sense. Also, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so remember Cincinnati and I stopped listening. So then he's going to give an interview with Kevin Kelly from his home. And Austin's like, if you're not going to meet me, I'm going to come to you. So I'm going to come to your house. And that's that was like the threat. So he sent his kids to his grandparents, to, sure. to his parents' house. To yep. be like, look, but a not man's going to come to attack me. Also, Brian Pillman is an insane person in real life, obviously, and has got, like, woof, this is, like, woof, dark. Had, like, two kids from a previous marriage. His wife had two kids from a previous marriage. They had two kids together. Uh, one was born after uh, post-mortem. This is a very weird... I don't know how much... The, the child was born Brian after Pillman, it died? Brian Pillman doesn't live very long. Um, oh. So he was oh. born after Brian Pillman was already dead. Yeah, yeah. There's a question if it was actually Brian Pillman's kid or not. Um, and then the kids was it like, was it ten months after Brian Pillman died? That's what I mean. I'm not sure. And then the the kids also have like gone on record that like obviously they were both horrible parents, and that Brian Pillman's wife uh, used all the money they got from WWE and any settlements and whatever or like whatever they got from his estate uh, all on drugs. So this is like already like there's so much darkness. Wow, Pillman really is a, a giveaway, huh? Yeah, this is there's a lot of darkness here. So now they're in the house, and Austin shows up beats up two of Bowman's friends. friends. But I mean, really beats the shit out of these guys. Well, I mean, when <laughs> like, he hit him with the sprinkler and then the radio flyer after that. The radio flyer, that, that looked like it was hard. I was like, he's just truly beating the shit out of these like two look like just normal people. I'm sure like, that not they wrestlers. Were, I'm sure they were some kind of enhancement talent or something. Maybe, but they didn't. <laughs> they might have just been Brian Pillman's friends. Maybe, so like, do you guys, hey, you guys want to wrestle? Or like something in between maybe, <laughs> but like they were not in any kind of shape it looked like for fighting. Why Why was the baby pool left filled overnight? Why was there water in, in that baby pool? There, yeah. oh, there are so many questions about this. Where did McMahon get the report that Austin was circling the neighborhood? Why didn't anybody call the police? At any point, except then I answer my own question because Pillman wore the shirt that says "I don't call the police" with right. a gun on it. Right. Oh god! And then like just literally watching uh, Steve Austin just like walk around the house, like "Come on out!" He's, he's looking for a way in. It was menacing. But there I, s- I remember being frightened as a child when the feet cut up, being like, "Holy shit! Did someone just get killed on television?" <laughs> But there are so many moments in here. Um, when Pillman says there's a fine line between business and private li- lives, this is the same guy who showed up on one of the pay-per-views we watched and saying how he was going to rape and pillage everybody in front of him. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, my favorite was, uh, I know Austin's strength. I know his weaknesses and his fears. Apparently his weakness and his fears are getting shot by a gun. <laughs> that's also my weakness and fear. I don't want to put that, I don't want to record it, but you know, Same. it's and, out there. And we, we all know how much I, I hate guns. I, I hate them, hate them, hate them. But when he said, when Austin 316 meets Pillman 9mm, I was like, oh, that's, that's a good line. That's a really good line. And- I missed it. The whole, I mean, like, it, yeah, it's troubling to watch. It is a hard thing. It was hard to watch then, and it's hard to watch now. And I feel like, again, as an 11 year old, <laughs> it was very hard to watch the first time because I was like, I'm pretty sure it was real. I was reading that apparently the WWF had to apologize, apologize to USA yeah. afterwards. Yeah. Like, could you imagine being in USA, like, oh, we're just going to have the wrestling show on? And then they're like, what is happening? <laughs> exactly. What is happening? Truly. I was also asking myself where uh, Brian Pillman got a house with columns money. And then I remembered it's in Kentucky in sur- suburban Cincinnati. It was like, I think right. they're just giving those away. Well, I mean, there's a, probably a part of suburban Cincinnati that's not in Kentucky, and those houses are worth more there. I think. <laughs> like, when you're in Ohio, it's better. 
my my absolute favorite moment of this thing though was when who's who's interviewing there bobby Kevin Kelly. When Kevin Kelly says he saw the gun and he left, oh my god, he's back! I <laughs> laughed so hard at that moment. Yeah, it was just all, all bizarre and everyone freaking out and Kevin Kelly and Vince McMahon being like, I can't hear it. Vince McMahon like, has oh, anyone been shot? And I'm like, this is true. I mean, truly bonkers. Um, It's a lot. It's a lot. And did they go anywhere with that at all in the weeks leading up to this or did they just like I feel like once that happened it was forget about it quickly moved on they shot Brian business. Pillman's death wish <laughs> well I it guess he not... actually fulfilled it yeah <laughs> so we go from the lowest of lows to the highest of highs here you just a fucking fantastic wrestling match can we say first that uh I love Todd Pettengill's stud in his ear. That thing was gigantic. That is WWF money right there. It was like the size of his earlobe. It was twinkling like a diamond in the sky. Shine bright like a diamond. Uh, also, did you notice uh, when Stone Cold entered the ring, what the fuck was hanging off his nose? Did he have like a, like, was it sweat or a booger? But like, what they show him in profile, like looking off the ring and like, there's just this like, goober hanging Ooh, off. I Did you actually that. see him like wipe off? <laughs> These are the things that I noticed for at first. <laughs> I just would love, and I've never, as a wrestling historian, professionally, uh, something I've never gotten a firm answer on, I would like, love to see just once, is how and why every single wrestler is so wet when they come out. <laughs> like, is there like a jar of oil right by the curtain that before they go, they just douse it's like the spray tan where it, they have like, to be. Just, yeah, I know, but like, what is it? Water? Is it some sort of baby oil? No, it what? can't be water because I feel like that would dry. I know. So what the fuck is happening? And the worst yet is like when they're so like the Godwins earlier the night are wearing long sleeve shirts under denim overalls and are wet over that. You think and somebody like worn, applies it, like paints it on? That's on I, I want to know <laughs> what is happening in the gorilla position right before they come out that they get so fucking wet if you know you can email us at hell in a yes. cell phone at gmail.com it is like the car wash you drive through like the wa- hot wax section like that's <laughs> just like spraying them with oil as they come out and it's i mean roman reigns in particular these days and seth rollins both are like fully saturated yes like it's not even like a sprinkling they are fully saturated and- we watched uh, a pay-per-view event with a friend of ours who doesn't watch wrestling and and her comment was why is the wet man fighting the dry man right now <laughs> it, you know what it looks like it looks like they are going to get their wash before the haircut and they just they like leave they put their head in the bowl and then they just leave and <laughs> yes. go wrestle it's bonkers uh the psychology early in this match is great and just uh bret hart trying to do anything to um to provoke i'm sorry steve austin doing anything to provoke uh, Bret Hart in, into action. Um, Austin's use of the five count and just like ev- every single time waiting till that number four in order to break the hold. Just building character, building character, building character. This feels like such a big fight. Like it just feels important and it just feels like things matter and they're like everyone is so committed to like what they're like there's something unlike, unlike the Survivor Series matches we were just watching that just feels like yeah. we're doing it like we're all hey let's punch each other for funsies. It's like this really feels like well, it's funny. So, you know, I, I, I'm not going to front. I, I feel like in the beginning of this, I was like, 
this is really like like kind of very slowly paced. Like they were just they were kind of doing holds on each other. There was a lot of grappling. I actually wrote the the note that that Hitman strikes me as kind of like not a lot of fun as a person, Ooh, which, like, which oh, might yeah, be true. I'm sure he's is the true. biggest wet blanket he, ever. He's a, yeah, he's he's, he's a super serious dude he's from everything I understand. Um, like he's the kind of guy who who takes wrestling so seriously that he sucks all of the fun out of it. I think. Yeah, yeah, and and like I know that in his comments later in life, he's kind of always been like that. But like, it really, really took a turn later, and I and like I was so excited. Like basically, once they left the ring, it it became like a street brawl, and I was like, this is awesome. It was and I very, do love that, and like the justifications made sense too. Like Vince McMahon even like saying like referees are giving a little leeway to this match because we don't want to see this end in a in a draw right? and then in a count out because you're like they were out there for way longer than a 10 count and like stuff like that yeah so like at least like they went out of their way to justify that I fucking love the part where he puts them into this like slingshot into the Spanish announce table oh my god commentators he they were wrestling on top, on top of the announce that guy <laughs> that poor guy just went limp that guy's just like well I'm furniture now and that was just it he was like, and then and then and Brett, Brett even Vince even mentions this seems to always happen to the Spanish guys <laughs> yes Brett Brett's lays on him for a while to recover and the Spanish announcer guy is just like don't move, just I, don't I'm move. here now yeah this is this is my life now and then Steve also comes on top of them and it's like punching him and they're just like fighting truly on top of this man yeah he was trying to get out and then he realized it's I, I can't anymore he's like um, shh, shh, don't fight it don't fight it yeah it was that part was was pretty amazing there were a lot of elbow drops a mm-hmm. lot of elbow drops I really like the top rope suplex that was great awesome um also just a sidebar. Can do, do <laughs> we can approach the bench? How do, yeah, I'd like the if you can allow the council. Um, what do you guys think about Stone Cold's like the the, the double flipping off thing? Love it. I it, well, you get used to it, baby. I know, I know, it happens a lot. <laughs> it's gonna happen all the fucking. Time. I got. I have to say, when I see him doing it, it looks like it looks like some. I just feel like I'm looking at a five year old, just being like, Ugh, like. Nothing. It does. It looks countermanly to me. It but doesn't I, look manly. I feel like first I, of all, masculinity is a prison. Second of all, I think <laughs> that you. I think because it became so ubiquitous, like after because Austin was such a huge cultural moment that like every one our age, uh, everyone in our peer groups would be like doing it so much and emulating him so much throughout the years that followed this that it was honestly annoying. Yeah, I, I... He's like the Wolverine of wrestling. Oh, yeah, I know. But, Along with the Suck It that yes. will be coming soon. But I was very into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just... it's it's. I think it might just be a thing that, like, uh, for me, probably just, like, grow, you know, just growing up, just, like, seeing... Maybe maybe I was seeing people do the, the Steve Austin thing and just being like, this is really dumb. Yeah. Um... It, I don't know. It's it's weird because like when you when you when you see uh, grown men get angry at each other, maybe you'll see like one you know like like one one like finger casual, right, yeah. but like two just feels like wow you're really trying really hard to I'd show like, how pissed off you are. I'd like to know when we get to like 1999 and we've seen Austin do this for for several years at this point. I'd like to go back and see what you think of the double middle finger cuz I think that You think you think it'll win me over? I think so. My maybe. Or at least I'll understand. It. I feel like for me my favorite part so far about doing this podcast besides the time we spend together. Uh, <laughs> it course. turns out the real podcast is the friends we made along <laughs> the way. Truly. But it's I never appreciated Austin as it was happening. 
because first when he was heel, I was a mark, and so I was not rooting for the heel. Yeah. And then by the time he came a face, he was such like a powerful thing and such the obvious. He was the the Wolverine of WWE that that didn't speak to me, and I always yeah. wanted to root for the under. You wanted I, to root for the Bell and Sebastian of wrestling, I did, and I, I became even a bigger um, like McFoley fan than I was of. Austin, mm-hmm. or I was really into DX though because they were like funny and and mean and, and there was like a there was like a undercurrent of sexuality that like as I was hitting puberty it was like perfectly timed, uh, but I never really appreciated Austin at the time. Going back now, it's like I am appreciating the shit out of everything he did. And so this match, I was like, this is incredible. All of his choices are incredible, and his ring work is incredible. And Austin like lost nothing in losing this match. Exactly, it was expertly booked where he looked incredible the whole time he really pushed Bret Hart the best wrestler in the world at this point yeah. to his limit and even in the loss like still look strong it looked like a fluke yeah I mean I I, I that's I, I agree with what you were saying about how like I'm glad that I because I, I don't I never really knew much about Steve Austin so like seeing him kind of rise and seeing him do all this really cool shit I do appreciate him as a wrestler. And, and like, I am, you know, I'm definitely becoming, like, a mark for him. Uh, Just, like, with Mankind and, and, you know, like, like I didn't really have an appreciation for the Mankind Undertaker matches and stuff like that. So, you know, all of these things are finally starting to resonate with me. It's like, it's like you build the capital. Yeah. To to be able to spend with them. Um, Although I did, I did definitely have a note saying nothing as compelling as two giants of wrestling grappling, but you know what? This was a grapple heavy match, but honestly, at the same time, it was still, I was riveted. Got really good. Did you also notice that, um, I think it was probably Vince McMahon who said uh, that, imagine the worst thing that anyone could say to you, and that's what Stone Cold is, is probably saying to Brett the Hitman Hart right now. And I was like, what, what an amazing, like... (laughs) Like no fucking lack of imagination thing. Like <laughs> you just, I'm not. We're not gonna put anything out there. You just go ahead and try to imagine what, what he could possibly say to Bret the Hitman Hart that would be the worst thing in the world. As a matter of fact, don't even watch the match. Just close your eyes and imagine <laughs> what they're doing to each other right now. Yeah. <laughs> right, he is putting him in a hole that if you could imagine would be the hole to take him out of. Yeah, it was great. This is a classic, five stars. One of the greatest matches of all time. <coughs> And then back to Vince McMahon after this match. He goes, it ain't over. I don't see too many fat ladies. And I have to say this because the camera just panned and just found every fat lady (laughs) in the audience. It's not funny, but it is. Um, By the way, um, at the end of that match, when, when, you know, uh, Hitman was like taking his, you know, his lap to, to get the congratulations, there was a sign behind the announcer table and it said, uh, it was a sign that said the heart and soul of the, and then something was blurred out. And I was like, what could possibly... It's a WWF. I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was like, what could possibly be, possibly be blurred out? What could what could they have said? Like the heart and soul, soul of your the Your mom's cunt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? And then I was like, and then like they, it kind of, uh, somebody's head had covered up part of it. And I saw, I saw F and I was like, wait, are they just covering up WWF in post? Like, but they don't cover up the WWF in the corner of the screen. I think it's, ad- it's an adapted uh, logo. What? The logo has been adapted. Uh, it's not, know. if you look at it, it looks old, like it's the same style, but I believe the F little flags mm-hmm. are off it. Did they, so it did they, it just no, it's, I don't know. Did they Whatever. change the stalker's shirt too? No, because like, he was you know, wearing a WWF shirt also. I don't it's, know. Just, I don't. it's just such a weird thing to be like, guys, we can't have that sign in there. Like, 
we can't. Well, I mean, we don't want anybody knowing what they're saying. This is. I remember in two, like two thousand two thousand one when that whole lawsuit happened, thinking it was the dumbest fucking thing in the world because who's going to confuse the World Wildlife Fund with the World Wrestling Federation? But... My dad is a big World Wildlife Fund fan. He's a huge. <laughs> He's mark. a big mark. For, big mark for the pandas. <laughs> My dad always watched World Wildlife Fun on our illegal black box pay per view, so I can see how there could be. Dude, confusion. their Survivor series is way different. Like entire species don't make it. Um, we went backstage to Psycho Sid. Did yes. any, could anyone tell what he was wearing on his head? Yeah, he was wearing a white baseball cap backwards. That was a baseball cap. That was a white baseball cap. I have, looked... a, I have a I have a casual backstage Luke with Sid. He's wearing a white baseball cap, and I think like it... Zumbas or like Zoomy or like, whatever. It looks like child's underoos on his head. <laughs> what? Why are you? But like your match is in like twenty minutes. Why? Why are you not dressed? <laughs> Wait, man, you have to get onto the oil tank. <laughs> and he said one of my favorite things. He, he said, "Are you gonna Are you gonna snap during this match?" And, and fight. you say snap, I say survive. What? <laughs> Bye. And then that's Maybe it. he no survives by snapping. It's like I can't keep this in. I will ruin myself as a person. It's just I very can. weird. Like, why not just take your hat off? Like, this was like, did you just show up? I, it was so confusing. And he didn't. He didn't have hat hair. He still had ramen hair. So, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Then we get another one of these. Oh, I am. series matches. So here's the funny thing. Um, I was uh, I was watching, and of course, like Razor Ramon comes out, and I was like Razor Ramon because I never saw the original Razor Ramon. And then when uh, when oh, Diesel came out, I was like, out. Oh, wait a minute. Oh God! Did I just like was I excited to see fake Razor? You were. Uh, but okay. even before Razor and Diesel. It's 1996. We're in New York City, um, home of Biggie. We the just Wu-Tang. had our extra cup of coffee beyond what we're normally <laughs> our having. Our extra cup of caffeine. But home, <laughs> but just straight, straight caffeine. caffeine. But home of Biggie, home of the Wu-Tang Clan, Jay-Z has oh, just dropped uh, Reasonable Doubt. And these are the guys that you choose to do the Nation of Domination rap. This is... It's it's like they. It, this is I, I was thinking. This is what happens when white people try to appropriate something for their like something that's not theirs, and they're like, "Well, we want to do Public Enemy because that's really what it was, right?" And Farouk, yeah, like a Nation of Islam kind right, of thing, right? Farouk has gone from his space gladiator phase to his uh, Black Power phase, right? Exactly. So he's like, yeah, Black Power, Black Panther type of thing. And they bring out these two fucking white dudes who do the slowest rap. The slowest. Important to know that they are, those are a tag team, though. They're wrestlers. PG-13, right? Yeah, they're wrestlers. So that's also, they weren't, if if they they were going for just rappers, maybe they would find better rappers. But probably finding a rapping wrestler at that point was... Well, it's probably impossible to find, like, a a black person who can rap (laughs) and wrestle. I do think they're Puerto Rican. I think they might be, like, light-skinned Puerto Rican. Well, or maybe just find there. somebody who can I know rap they, better. I know they wrestled in Puerto Rico. Just don't. All I'm saying. You don't have to. You don't have to like. Don't make it your gimmick to rap and wrestle if you are not good at rapping. And also, I mean, WWF had a long series of bringing in. Like Cindy Lauper was at the original WrestleMania. You couldn't bring a rapper here to come up with something like and and give them like free promotion, free airtime, kind of thing. It's not great. But this is such a better gimmick, though, than what he was doing with sure. the gladiator thing. Sure. Um, I'm pretty sure the, 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 the material was actually seeping into his brain and, and causing damage. So I, I think I'm, I'm happy for his health. 
And also before Fake Razor and Fake Diesel show up, we get another shot of somebody that I've been kind of obsessing with since King of the Ring. And that's Angry Bowl Cut Kid is at this pay-per-view as well. Wow, Aaron is a angry bulka kid truther what are you <laughs> suggesting i think he might be the guy that we now see at all the events <laughs> ah! wearing the green smiley face shirt with the khaki hat you think you like, think we're seeing the origins i just like like if he can make it to all of these events he, he must have have rich parents at this point who then willed him like the, i don't know like the 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 zipper fortune like this now parent, you have a his full like, made series of events yeah. like storyline for this kid <laughs> exactly the baudelaire's and are gonna... he grew up and now he just shows up to whatever wwe events he wants to I mean, I love this origin story. I'm, I'm happy with that. I mean, it would be nice to find out. There must be, somebody must have interviewed the guy who currently does these things and, and was like, we're, we're, you what's know, your deal? No, he doesn't. He, he refuses. Like, all he says is, uh, like, I do okay for myself or, or something like that. Anytime anyone asks him how he's able to go to all these events. Well, I think we, uh, that's our first guest, right? <laughs> oh, could you match? I would love. Um, so then we got fake fake razor and then fake diesel comes out and i think i figured out his wig is attached to the sunglasses okay i think that's how it works i can see that <laughs> i actually am not sure if he's wearing a wig at this point i think he is i wasn't sure i, I was trying to clock in i wasn't I wasn't sure if it was just like a super bad dye job like they were like whoop we don't have anything grab the shoe polish or like what i think that the the man who would become kane has been prematurely bald since like well, not with Isaac Yankum, he wasn't. That's why I think, like, it's not too different than his Isaac Yankum hair, but it's just really a different color. It's, like, really that dark, that dark jet, like, printer ink black. I'm looking up Isaac Yankum. Oh, no, it is so different from the Isaac Yankum hair. The Isaac Yankum hair is like a jerry curl. Yeah, it's pretty different. All right, I, I stand corrected. Wow. I think it, it is. It's, it's a wig. So it's just, is he just Ugh. like, you know what? I wrestle in wigs now. This is what I do. <laughs> he just became, like, a wig That's wrestler. His just wigs. Oh my god, look at it blonde. Ah! Is no. he wearing Psycho Sid's wig in that one? <laughs> um, yeah, thank god um, Vader shows up to round out this team. I mean, Farouk is great. I mean, the, granted that entrance, I get it, it's cheesy. Those rappers are bad and it's cheesy. But it's WWF doing rap in 1996, so expectations are low. Yes. But Vader, I think, does add some legitimacy, mm-hmm. at least, to this to the proceedings. We're here to wrestle in this ring. <laughs> Like it's so bad. That's my impression of them of them rapping. I don't know. It's gonna... it's spot on. Yeah. I was. Is, are they here with us? Are they, are you... Now watch us do our thing. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Then, I was gonna. I was gonna. gonna rap? I was gonna yes and that, but no. I'm just gonna move on. I might cut so that. that. I don't know. No. That needs to stay Refuse. in for posterity. Yeah. <laughs> so then on the face side, we've got Yokozuna, who just. Yozuna became a face at some point. He is the largest you could. He's over truly over six hundred pounds. Enormous. His, I mean, that those are some big thighs. If you notice, a couple things you notice with Yokozuna. One, as he made his entrance, someone reached out and just straight up gave him a mammogram. Just like <laughs> grabbed his titty in like a way that he might as well have also said honk honk as he did it. Like it was that. It wasn't as like a yeah. It was a full mammogram that he gave Yokozuna. That was one. Also, did you notice Yokozuna kept standing with one foot on the steps? 
I think that he might have been so big he couldn't he, fit. He couldn't stand on the apron, or he might fall backwards. Ooh, like uh, he couldn't balance himself guy. on that. So he was constantly like one foot on the steps. Did he ever lose the weight? No. Oh. No, no, no. And this was the last match he ever wrestled in WWF. Yeah. He was sent home and told like you have to lose. Like you, we, it's too unhealthy. Like yeah. you can't move. How did he gain that weight? Just he's just a large ass person, and I assume just like eating. He's Samoan. Yeah, he's yeah. just this huge person um and then we have flash funk flash funk flash funk first of all rules this gimmick i know is cheesy as hell well he <laughs> looks he looks like uh he looks like donald Faison to me and i felt like yep. this was like a ah. scrubs cutaway gag where dr cox says to jay-z he's like he'll be lucky if he survives this series of injections and then it nobody watched scrubs here no, no sorry dude all right well never mind uh, that was a really funny joke in my mind he he I was trying to figure out what he was dressed like and I was like maybe a little bit like um the guy from Boogie Nights Donald um Don Cheadle Don Cheadle in Boogie Nights when he starts doing like the the cowboy routine oh, yeah, yeah. and he's like he's like yeah this is my new thing what do you think Well and no like, he's dressed like a horrible pimp before... I was trying not to I was trying not to think I was like you know what maybe he's a pimp but maybe he's not maybe I'm just being No, he's putting... dressed up like a pimp before WWF had their actual pimp character. Yeah. So uh, I was and trying to He's fresh. He actually wrestled for ECW the night before this pay-per-view as Too Cold Scorpio was his name in Too Cold Scorpio. Number t- numeral 2. And then they show him up here and they dress him up like a Slim Jim yeah, rapper he's... with a hat on. <laughs> that is a 1000% accurate. As Flashbuck who does He's a, re- and again, remembering that at this time high flying moves were even more rare. So the fact that he's doing all these moon salts and stuff. Yeah, he had a good moon salt. Yeah, he had a good moon salt, and and didn't it land him kind of in the concrete? He landed on. He uh, landed Vader. like like, but Vader, but kind of past Vader a little bit, like where the padding ended. It yeah, onto good. the ramp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And who else was on that team? I keep forgetting. Oh, Jimmy uh, Superfly Snooker. <laughs> oh. Right, murderer. Yeah. Jimmy Superfly. Wait, he murdered somebody? He literally murdered someone. He murdered his girlfriend. In 1987. And then he was Uh, considered legally incompetent to stand trial. In in 2017 or 16. So basically it was an open-ended, it was like a cold case. Yeah. But when it... But then they reopened and it was basically like, oh, Jimmy Snooker murdered. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Basically even then they were like, this is a homicide, but no one ever looked into it. Uh, Someone... Vince McMahon bankrolled them to like quietly put this away <gasps> and then but this new person got elected into whatever position or whatever judge got nominated or whatever someone came into some office in like the 20 teens and reopened the case or like it was already open but like picked it back up and like went to prosecute him uh, but at that point he was dying and had dementia and they were like never mind we can't convict they dropped the charges but he fucking killed this person. Uh. No one said he didn't kill this person. They just said he couldn't stand trial for killing this person. But he killed someone. Well, Tamina's he slammed never Vader. Com- that was pretty good. Huh? Tamina's never commented on that, has she? No. Nah. Because she came to W before they believe the case was picked back up again. Is Tamina his like daughter? Daughter, or? yeah. Yeah. And um, th- our discussion of the intro to this match was longer than the actual match itself. I believe it was cut for time during the match, which is why... They're like, get a chair, get a chair. We, truly, because we saw the second... This is when I mentioned the earlier the second referee, because there was a point in it, I believe 
it might be either right after Safia Vega gets eliminated or right after Snuka hits the splash. But at some point, you see the second referee come into the ring and like you can tell they're kind of like a wrap it up sort of situation. So I think it was this match was truncated for time. Yeah, it was. It, it probably wasn't it going was anywhere great anyway. Very yeah. quick. Yeah, it's probably not going anywhere great anyway. Yeah, but in all fairness, like were they trying to? Who was there? Was there a new person that they were trying to? Flash Funk was the. New oh, person. Flash Funk. Oh well, poor guy. Yeah, he was the new one in this match. And I, that's my problem with this. The the three Survivor Series matches are bad, are very bad. I wouldn't even say they're very bad. They're just fine. They're not good. I'm, I don't think I don't think they're good. And this match was cut short, so obviously the end of the ending was bad of this. But otherwise, they're just matches. They're just fine. If this was like a TV match, we'd be like, okay, these things happen all the time, week to week. Mm-hmm. But I think what makes this pay per view overall a good pay per view is the Austin Undertaker and the main event. Like those are three; those three single matches are incredible. So I think overall it pulls the whole pay per view. These mediocre matches, and then these incredible matches overall give this. I would give this pay per view overall a solid B. Okay. Well, let's uh, talk about the championship match. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the ruler and master is the champion. Oh, more Todd Pettengill. I love that they brought him back for this. I love these packages. I like the idea behind this match. Um, I I like what they've built up here as far as Sid and HBK's relationship. Um, This is a good match. Well, for HBK, it's a this is he's really fighting trust. That's the that's his his main event. But also, this is this was keep in mind supposed to be Vader in this match. But to the point where next month's pay per view in your house is called In Your House. It's time. Because it's supposed to be, or time up? It's oh, time. It's time. time. Time's up is time's a different up, thing. That's a, maybe, oof, <laughs> that won't happen for another 20, 30 years. And it really will never happen to WWE. It'll never hit the WWE, even though it should have hard, often. Oh, so it's time was supposed to be, it's Vader time. So it's supposed to be Vader then versus whoever the new number one contender would be. So this is already kind of like a scraped together thing, which is a pretty good job. But Sid's yeah. not known for having good matches. HBK is known for having great matches with anyone. And I think this, despite the fact that he was a huge asshole shows just why Shawn Michaels was so good. He sold a lot of that shit really early on. But even his entrance, the part, my favorite part of his entrance is he's like... HBK's entrance? Yeah. yeah. Almost miming or definitely miming masturbating. Yeah. How point, well, how hard was it for you to hide your erection from your father? It was too hard to see that level of detail at that point. <laughs> and also, I truly not even have understood what he was doing at that degree. But my favorite part of this scene is he's doing it and Vince Man goes, ha ha! Like, lo- is loving it. He's truly eating it up and it dawns on me why Shawn Michaels was pushed so hard because he is everything Vince McMahon so desperately wants to be as a man. He wants to be sexy. He wants to be virile. He wants to be cool and funny and have long flax and like, silky is hair. Shawn Michaels funny? Shawn Michaels is funny. Shawn Michaels is funny, especially when you get into and you're, we're going to see that in the next few months. Okay, because really he strong. seemed really lame in some of his interviews. Like we're like the well, I don't know who does give a better power bomb. Like, <laughs> well, he's definitely hopped up on a lot of goofballs right now. Uh, but the, the fact that Vince Man is so like truly salivating. There's all this. There's tons of persistent gay rumors that Shawn Michaels and Vince McMahon were like sexual with each other, just like you know, you know, in the any port in the storm kind of way. Uh, and you furiously refresh every night. No, just actually, for those. no. There's something about Vince McMahon that I find deeply upsetting and never sexual in any way. <laughs> well, you don't want that face, that, that coming face, like that. Ah! 
God, there's just something about him I find so I just repulsive. hurt my I just hurt my teeth that way. <laughs> I can't believe how over Sid was with a portion of the audience. Well, that's, um, so this is the yeah, big that's thing. That's what I was going to say based off of what you said before. Yeah, so this is the first time that's really happening. They're like, holy shit, Shawn Michaels, the super baby face we've built, like People the Roman Reigns him. of the time. And this is a really a first time where like think people aren't listening. Like they're not doing what they're supposed to do. They're cheering for Sid and they're booing Shawn Michaels. And that this is also part of what's gonna feed the entire attitude era we're coming into. It's like that reaction of being like, oh, people don't want like the nice guy, you know, the nice clean. guy is masturbating. Yeah, you know, the nice guy is shooting jizzle over the children. They don't want that. <laughs> they don't want that. But now, uh, that's that's what's happening here. They're cheering Sid. So if we take a step back, because some of the things about the entrances I, I really loved. Uh, did you notice that Skyline cardboard entrance? Like, oh, it was yes. The skyline that parts. It was like high school theater. Yes. Like a high school theater set transition. Like you, There you was a kid with it, bad like, acne and just all in black, just like slowly walking Because it never back. moved. It wasn't smooth. It was all like rickety and stupid looking. I was like, this looks No, like, it looked like an it, SNL sketch. It, it reminds like me of the episode where they do Streetcar Named Desire. <laughs> That's what it, reminded me of. <laughs> it reminded me of the backdrop in Gremlins 2 that they put down over the windows <laughs> to, th- to convince the Gremlins that it's it's night out and they won't die. <laughs> um, also, I, I wrote down, it's a good thing for Shawn Michaels. This this outfit is uh, is before 9-11 because he would have never been able to fly. How do you get through a metal detector where, with that ultimate, what is it? It was like the G.I. Joe, the ultimate soldier, you know, like, or perfect soldier. Who was that guy? It's like his outfit was all metal. Like it looked like all dog tags, like oh, yeah. linked yeah, yeah. together. It was more metal, I think, than any other than the previous outfits I've seen. Corn. <laughs> but yeah, it was just like I was like, man, we all were just very trusting back then. Like we would like he could just probably walk through anything and they'd be like, Well, I don't know. If he has a weapon, it's probably I mean Mankind has a shiv. They all have <laughs> Jimmy Snuka is killing people. Uh Shawn Michaels also, that one woman, like for all for how strong he is, that one woman grabbed onto him and did not let him go. He needed help. To get extricated from her. Uh, yeah, so that, those are my entrances. I, I I loved. I don't know. I just really loved a lot of the, a lot of the stuff coming into it. It was perfectly like in in line with the previous pay per views and how cheesy some of the entrances were. Yeah, and I enjoyed this match. I thought it ended with some overbooked bullshit, but yeah. But it was supposed to get heat on Sid. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, he went full heel at this point. And it also kept... By, by throwing a camera at Jose Lothario. So was this what you meant when you when I was like, are they going to kill a person? And you were like... Oh, no, we were talking about Brian, Brian Pillman. Pillman. Oh, got it. Okay, because I was like, is Lo- Jose Lothario going to die of <laughs> yeah, a heart attack? No, he, yeah, he literally died of a heart attack at the side of the ring. Oh, I figured they were just going to write him off. Another thing that I truly, as a child, was concerned was really happening. I was like, <laughs> that's an old man who got hit with the camera at- that old man could truly be having a heart attack. Well, we know that's how heart attacks happen. Well, also, you guys, for real, years later, Jerry Lawler would have a heart attack live on WWE Raw one night. So, I mean, oh, it's not out of the realm of possibility to, to be watch. completely fair. <laughs> Eric, that was recent. That was while we were watching wrestling. Like, that was in the last couple of years. I have to go back. Jerry Lawler had a heart attack on air. <laughs> and it was, like, on the ground unconscious. It was nuts. Um, but that's what I thought was happening here. Did So... Do you think that camera was like a camera that I, was like barely functional? They're I like, was you know what we wondering that we're gonna, you know, we're gonna get rid of this anyway. We might as well just use it as a prop. I was wondering about that. I'm not because sure. like those things are expensive. Sure, of course. 
Yeah, I, I was wondering. But what's connected with wires and stuff? Like, it, if it was fake, they, he did a they good did job. Have no, because he, he grabbed it. And you could we see could the see, feed. Yeah. But, so, like, but maybe it was just, like, it was a little bit fritzy, and they were like, okay, well, we can get, like, <laughs> 10 seconds of feed, and then you can just start beating somebody with it. I there was a there was a good uh, I I'm not sure what the move was it was like a slam like a body slam maybe or, or like I, there were a couple of these moves that I'm I've been getting better at calling them but there was one where he threw Michaels into the railing that I thought was that was kind of cool I'm trying to think of the moment uh, yeah I don't know I <laughs> I have seven pages of notes but not a lot for the two matches that I actually enjoyed just because I was just watching them and enjoying yeah. them. Yeah. Oh, of course, there was the headstand cell that was amazing. In infamy now. That, that's now a meme. Did you see, yeah. that, you see the meme? I mean, you, you sent it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm a tree. Fuck this, I'm a tree. <laughs> <laughs> it's very bizarre. Shawn Michaels is great. He, he's just so good at what he does. Well, as I can see from that. Yes. You know, like, every time somebody gets hit with, like, what was it, a foot? Uh, like, a, a drop kick or something? And <laughs> they immediately hit the ground, and their body comes up over their head. <laughs> And stays for a second. I don't know what Sid versus Bret Hart is going to look like for next month. I can't imagine it being as good as him versus HBK. <laughs> Bobby's, Bobby's just, saying it's not. Bobby's just shaking his head. It's not. It's it, not. it was good for drama, but not very bad for podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I. Yeah, I was thinking about that too because I was like, I now I don't know what the I don't know who wrestles against Bret Hart in the screw job, but like and don't tell you me. You have time for that. No, like, I know. You're like I, a full year away. Every time I see Bret Hart, I just keep thinking about the screw job. I'm like You have a lot of Bret Hart there's a lot of Bret Hart to go before that. There's a lot of Rosencrantz and Gildensterning going on yeah. here. We're just marching towards that screw job, but let's just uh we'll but, focus but on I was it like now. I was like I was like I wonder if it's gonna be like HBK versus him where it happens. I don't know. But anyway, um yeah I was I definitely was wondering I was like are we really going to enjoy a Sid versus Hitman match? I guess not. I don't know. I guess we'll have to find out next month. HBK, uh, by the way, really sold. I, I did like those the 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 initial like beatdowns. Like it looked like like Sid was like hammering uh, HBK into the ground, and I felt like he sold it relatively well. Like in the beginning, you know, it was just yeah. like mm-hmm. he would just like they would be standing up, he'd just hit him, and then HBK would just fall and get up, and then he'd hit him again. I don't know. I was into it. Yeah, it was it was a good ending to this pay per view. Yep. That I would, I would agree. This is a B. I just I don't know. I guess I expect more. Yeah, you made it sound like you know, we had we didn't we didn't go deep, but we did talk about it last night before recording that you said how much you hated this pay per view. This and I was like, how do you hate this? There's some of the greatest matches on it. I'm not saying they're all great. No, but. watching. Watching this three-hour Survivor Series pay-per-view was the first time since we started doing this that watching the pay-per-view felt like a chore to record this. Oh, I don't know. There was one before that. that No, no, but even like the... What was the really, really shitty one right before Survivor Series? And that one was like fun to watch because it was like, oh my God, this is so shitty. That's what I think the problem. The problem is is actually it was too good. The problem is this pay-per-view was too good so we can't like talk as much shit on it because it actually was a pretty good pay-per-view. That's the problem. I agree. I had less fun and less funny things to say about it because I'm like, yeah, this is all worst case scenario. Fine. I agree. The Survivor Series matches were not good, but they were fine. It was. It was. It. It was a very. It was a safe pay per view. It was a safe thing in the sense that, like, it wasn't bad enough that we were able to really like dig yeah. into it and have a lot of fun. It also wasn't good enough that we were able to like 
you know, talk about how it blew Just us gush away. Over, yeah. Right. So there were some good matches. But like then there were some like there were just like boring. There matches. were some really good matches. Like not they weren't just good. Austin and Bret Hart one of the best matches was great. of all time. Was and then great. Sid and Sean was was a great match. It was really good. And then Undertaker and Mecca was a was really fine. good match. I wouldn't say I think it's better than fine. It was a really good match. When it also you came look, like really early in the night. When you look uh. at their body of work, it's a fine match. When no. you look at when you look at overall this time period, it's a really good match. When you look at their body of work that they will put out and that they have put out so far, it was fine. I don't know. I think you're you're grading on a whole different curve. You're, you're you're letting you're letting like their best stuff ruin the curve in their individual. That's what a curve is. But it, he's a teacher. I would I would agree. <laughs> I would listen to him. But that's like saying, I mean, Austin will have other matches that are good too. But you you can't just compare against. I. Mm, but when you have when Mankind and Undertaker is such a singular thing, and when you've seen them catch lightning in a bottle and just do something super brilliant, we saw it last month. But I think it's harder. It's even we're, we're gonna because I think that it's even harder to put on a good match. When there's not a crazy gimmick attached to it, then it was when it was just when it's just wrestling. Wait, wait, you're saying Paul Bearer in a cage above that. is not a crazy gimmick? I don't count that. But when you don't have a ton of chairs and cages and barbed wire and shovels and mountains of dirt and like all that stuff to play with, I think to still put on a compelling match is even more difficult. And the way that the two of them have this chemistry to tell this great story and do this great match, and you're getting the first ever time the whole, the Undertaker was like a different person finally. After being all cheesy with the with the purple spats, like it's he left that cheesiness behind and this is a, donned his bat cake. This is a not inconsequential match, and also this is before they were doing just like lazy 50-50 booking with everybody like they do now, mm-hmm. where we can see Dolph Ziggler and stuff Rollins have great have a ton of great matches, and they all kind of blend together after a while. This still isn't that. You still have a new Undertaker coming down like a fucking uh, Ozzy Osbourne. Gothamite. No, don't don't go to that, Bobby. As, as backing up for your side. Yeah, that was not that that was not in the plus category. It's not. Look, it's cheesy. Of course, in this everything is cheesy in 1996 by today's standards. Back then, that was cool. That was cool as hell. I know, I know. But Dave Navarro still dresses like that. <laughs> So you can't say that there wasn't some like cultural cachet applied here. You might I'm say sorry. that you might I'm... say that Dave Navarro has been caught stealing. <laughs> I think uh, no, we've got the new intersection here. It's wrestling fans, Bell and Sebastian fans, Real Housewives of New York fans, and, and Ink Master fans. Yeah. Those are the people that we are looking Guys, for I, here. I know what I know. Okay, I know what I know. Uh, we're gonna hear a little bit more about what people know here. For years, WWE hosted a yearly awards show called the Slammy Awards, and we end each episode of Hell in a Cell Phone with our own version of the Slammies in a segment we call For Your Reconsideration. Anybody want to take this one first? I feel like we all have the same one, so I feel like, not counting it as mine, let's just, we should collectively award a Slammy to the Spanish announcer. It is the Ikea Furniture <laughs> Slammy for the best performance of a piece of furniture to the Spanish announce guy, right? He, that, were we all thinking it, it? It was. I mean, it wasn't mine, but I agree. He, it was not mine either. He really? definitely sure he knows how to play dead. He he Ever really he you know he did that thing that you know where you just shut your body off and just like I'm not I'm not in here anymore. Like you are just you're on me. Ah, uh, that went dark. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, what was yours? <laughs> 
Um, I have most likely to have a burn book is Stone Cold Steve Austin <laughs> because I love the idea of thinking that Steve Austin's like superpower is knowing the worst thing that you can say to a person <laughs> and being able to say it. Like, what is the worst thing that anybody could say to you? And like, would Steve Austin be able to say that? Oh God, I don't want to go down that road. Right? Like, yeah, like he'd be like, you, you know, you have no talent. You're mediocre. <laughs> You know. You're not even close, Eric. Oh, <laughs> got darker. But yeah, yeah. so uh, I, I, this is bumming me out. I like the idea of, of Steve Austin being able to find everybody's everybody's weakness, whether it's in wrestling or not in wrestling, <laughs> and being able to say it to their face. Um, my my award was originally called the Papa Didn't Preach Award until I realized that it was Danny Aiello that was in the Madonna video and not no, Captain Lou Albano. girls just want to have fun. And yeah. so, yeah, so then I, I changed it to the Good Enough For Him <laughs> Award for Captain Lou Albano, who just showed up, walked past, kind of gave McMahon a diss, and then sat down at the Spanish announcer's table yep. and said nothing. I want to go back and I want to find the Spanish feed to see if it's just people talking in Spanish and then Captain Lou Albano, Super Mario himself, yelling inconsistencies. Did you ever see him wrestle? Um, Captain Lou, actually, um, my parents told me that when I was a baby, they went to something where Captain Lou was there and somewhere, supposedly, there's pictures of him holding me as an infant. And we must find yeah. these photos. He gave his blessing, and you shall be. <laughs> I will. My, the baby books are in my mom's basement. I will. I will text, and I will find out and see if we can put those up on the website. Great. And did you also put like a rubber band in your cheek and all that stuff? <laughs> I was an infant. I had no ability to do anything except exist. I'm a baby. I don't know how to do anything. <laughs> Much like Rocky Mavia at this point <laughs> oh, in his career. Oh, true. Love us? Disagree? Want to throw a camera at our father figure? Let us know. Email us at HelenaCellPhone at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at HelenaCellPod or each of us individually, Eric at Prime Silver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at SlowPass. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you again at In Your House 12. It's time. I will be your father figure. <laughs> <laughs> First thing that came to me. <laughs>